in a world where quarantine has taken over everything, four nerds still vi still rally around their computers to talk about nerdy things, even though they can't sit sit next to each other because of a you know quarantine. And those four nerds are us, the Fake Nerd Podcast. Welcome everyone to episode one hundred and ninety. Holy crap! We are two episodes or ten episodes away from two hundred. Oh my god! Wowie zowie. Wow, Zowie, indeed. I am Bed Magnet. Alongside with me, as always, is Brandon T. McClure. Hello. There he is. Watching, uh, watching Seals sing Kiss from a Rose. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I think I saw a clip of that. It's pretty good. <laughs> I have to do the whole thing. And of course, I'm joined always by Ryan Eliopoulos down there. It's me. It's me. And I'm of like course, that. Sparks Witty. Hey, hey. And of course, since today is a Sunday, I want to wish my mom, all the moms, a very happy Mother's Day. Yes, thanks, happy Mother's thanks, Day. Thanks for birthing us. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, I wish I wish all moms a happy birthday, except for Brandon's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope she doesn't listen to this. That's something I'm not going to dive into. I'm just going to... Hey, guys, changing topic. How do you like my not-blank wall anymore? What's it not? Oh, oh. I, I mean, I, isn't it just a different wall? Isn't it just a different angle? <laughs> it's a different it's wall. Yes, uh, at least it's not blank. Fill the wall we saw before. At, at least there's something behind me now. It's not just a lame blank wall. There, there is wall. still a blank wall in another part of that room. There is. Hey, nothing got fixed then. <laughs> I just, just want to be clear. You didn't like utilize quarantine time to construct this. This existed. You just moved. You just did this. <laughs> at least I think. At least. Do you know how much I was kicking myself? I was driving home uh, from work the other night thinking how I could. I, it, the idea hit me at work. I'm like, wow, I'm an effing idiot. I should have just moved the computer the whole time. How many podcasts and how many live streams with Michael and Rachel uh, I did with like a lame ass wall behind me. Now I have something cool to look at a little Maybe bit. Maybe too many. Who knows? We'll never Yeah, know. we have something. Well, yeah. we have something nice, but it's way back there. Yeah. We also are two people in a large room. In yeah. a large room. Yeah. Yeah. We could be in Ryan's room, which would be cool background, but it's also hot as balls. Yeah. I'm constantly yeah. sweating. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, well, it, I know it took me a while to finally just move my damn computer to the side, but at least I got something better now. Now we know you're not a fake nerd, at least. Exactly. Shoot. Or he's never read any one of those books, and he is, in fact, a fake nerd. Uh, he's read, like, 30%. <laughs> is he not wrong? Is he, is, he, is he wrong? I've read all these books at least twice. All of them? So all two of them. All, of, them. all okay. of those comics. Okay, okay, hold up. No, you're getting a tour. I ain't doing this shit. I don't care. You were getting a tour. Okay. You see, you see all books. those Rorty Kenshins? I read those at least five times. I've read all of these, the Sonic books right there, all of my Gundams. That's that's Fanny's. I don't see Gundams. I just see a... Ben, ben, a I, I ain't talking to you about the manga. <laughs> oh, you mean all of these books? Yes, I actually have read all of them at least twice. What? Half of your book clubs are books that you have that you've never read. Why do you think I? Why do you think I get them? They're not on that shelf. They're just not on that shelf. They're not that on that shelf. shelf. Oh, okay. This is oh, show us the stack behind there. <laughs> show us the stack be next to your bed, Ben. It's down there. I'm not going to show you that. Oh, okay. is it a lot? Yeah. <laughs> I have. I I bought a long box. Uh, like while away before the quarantine happened, but it's already filled. So I'm back to having comics stacked up next to my bed. I'm like, ah, I buy too many comics, man. 
I got I'm actually in the middle of getting rid of some of my trades because yeah. I got to the point where I have so many, I have no room to grow. And my whole thing is like, I need room to grow. And I got to, a, I was at a point when I, especially when I was working at the comic book store, where I would just buy books that I was just like, I should have this. Yeah. But really, I, I, but like, Dr. Cheap. Yeah. And I kind of looked at, looked at my collection and I was like, I got to be honest with myself. I'm not reading some of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I was just like, I'm just going to. No, there's well, the Star Wars, the Star Wars Legends epic collections that I have. Like, I got a lot of, I got a lot of that stuff. I'll keep some of them because I am interested in some of them. But like, I'm not reading the Clone Wars stuff. I'm not reading the before the. I'm not reading some of the Legends. Stuff. Yeah, I'll give them to you. You can have them. <laughs> I'm gonna get another bookshelf soon. I, I I need books. Actually, I've been trying to get a new bookshelf for a long time. I've had these two bookshelves since I was a kid. Like oh, originally. Wow. Like originally in my old house before I moved here, uh, like the house I grew up in, these held all our VHS tapes. And then once we got we went from VHS to DVDs, I inherited these as my bookshelves, and I've been had I've had them ever since. I am so glad you found that. Oh my Unless god! Well. <laughs> yeah, it was VHS, baby. I know that's. Don't ever get rid of that. But if you I, have have two, I have two VHS tapes from when I was a kid: Endless Waltz and Godzilla 1984. Wow. And I. I didn't. I didn't get rid of them because you couldn't find them on DVD. And 1984 is available on DVD, but it doesn't have the it doesn't have the Raymond Burr cut, and I'm very upset about it. So I'm keeping the VHS of that one until I can find the Raymond Burr cut. That actually, Brandon, actually could that's that could get you some money. But if you ever need to get rid of Endless Walls, I'll take it off your hands, no problem. I just recently bought it on DVD, so maybe. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Frame it. I still have a VHS to a VHS or a VCR that still works too. Yeah, you know what's sad is that, like, even hard-to-find things that are still on VHS that, like, never got it transferred over to DVD or Blu-ray still won't net you much money most of the time because VCRs are just so uncommon and mm-hmm. difficult to repair if they're broken that having one isn't considered very valuable anymore, right. even if it's out of print. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, right. not like game consoles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, should we get the show on? Should we get the road on the show? Let's. What's which we? Uh, who should go first? I'll go first because I, 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 I don't. I didn't do nothing this week. I. It's. It turned into Sunday, and I was like, oh, I have to do a podcast this week. Um, <laughs> whatever I didn't do with you, um, I just did some streaming. I played some Monster Hunter with my friend Danny. Um, he's my good friend from LA who I used to hang out and go to the comic store every Wednesday with. Uh, we haven't. Uh, we used to play a lot of games together, and we haven't in a while, and now. I think we're going to do it again, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, streaming with friends is a lot of fun. Um, honestly, besides that, I think I did everything with you. I just watched I watched a lot of YouTube, uh, and this week I just wasn't feeling it. Uh, I worked I worked two days, so I, I didn't really do anything those days. Um, so, yeah, I'm the, the lamest week of my entire life, maybe. You got that unemployment money. I sure did, and I'm going to in, – in, <laughs> <laughs> I also got unemployment money this week. Okay, so both Sparks and Ryan, this is dead when they got that when that money hit their bank accounts. Make it rain. My man, my man. Look, so I've been on unemployment since the moment my job was like, okay, you're you're gone. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I immediately signed up, and I didn't get it the first time. But when the stimulus hit, I was just like, I've never had more money. Yeah, I've never had more money, and in order. Had- and I'm, I, it's the first time in my life when I've ever been comfortable and not having to worry about money. Now I'm not talking about like, I'm well off, I'm comfortable and yeah. I can, and I don't have to worry about anything. In you order to get this up, once work gets started, I have to make $21 an hour. 
Yeah. To, to, to match what you're making now, yeah. That is ridiculous that our yeah. country is like that. You know yeah. what? Uh, I okay. agree. I know, I know you guys are hurting, but even my – because I recently got like a little bit of a pay bump. I don't know if it's because it has a pay, but my union, we just did a – a thing to like up our to up our um no, like you, you, cost you deserve it man. you are an essential worker thank you but even now my last two paychecks have been really good i even when i look at my thing even i because i also got that stimulus check as well and i that went straight to savings and that went straight to my credit card bill i didn't looking, know i didn't know every oh i didn't know everybody got the stimulus check well because i think the everyone make it under yeah, I think because I got a stimulus check because I make under seventy five thousand a year. Oh, okay. yeah. So everyone who made under a certain amount gets the Think stimulus. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> you, are, you are also getting the twelve hundred dollars stimulus check on top of the six hundred dollar added to every week of unemployment. Yeah, we well, are. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. guys are. I'm yeah, not. My but, check just just shipped on Friday. Yeah, but but still, even I mean, I was talking to my mom about this earlier today because I cut steer for Mother's Day, and I was like, you know, I actually don't feel frightened because before I'm like, God, I can't make. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make my. I have to take money out of my savings. I have to take money out of this. I have to pay for these and now it's like i mean even though i'm not going out to eat all the time i'm not going out to see movies all the time i was doing that sparingly in the first place now it's just like oh shit i looked at my savings account it's like i like this and it's the best thing is it's keep going up it's growing it shouldn't have to take the pandemic stimulus package <laughs> it shouldn't people be comfortable it should not because now well, it's like all all of this is really nice and everything we do need to I, I don't want to be the downer, but no, like yeah. oh, we yeah. do not know what's going to happen after July. No, no and as comfortable as uh, I mean, like your job will. My well, job wants to open up in like a week. Your so, job will go back wow. and forth. Yeah, but Brandon and I, I have no idea when we go back to work, and yeah. I and at the end of July, that unemployment boost will go away. Yeah. Yes, but the if we're getting if we're getting six hundred a week until July, that's a nice little comfortable. Package to for sit, sure. to sit for on. sure. But that's yeah. my that's my point is that like because we don't know what will happen past that. Yeah, that all just might become what we had to use to stay alive until our job came back. Yeah, that's which fair. is unfortunate but possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, also, I think one of my student loans just like halted taking out uh, payments because I I set up for automatic pay for my student Not loans. All student loans are supposed to have been frozen. Yeah. Yeah, well, because that's helping me because that's like an extra two hundred of or four hundred dollars a month for me. But of course, once everything gets back up and running, they're probably just going to attack whatever months on at the end of what my thing is already. There's there, probably, there, there is a strong argument that people are making to forgive student loan debts right now because of the I, pandemic. Like that is just an extra thing. Yeah. Nobody <sighs> needs to deal with. Oh, you mean like some candidates who are no longer running for president <clears throat> wanted us to do? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean like, you know, fingers crossed that at least that might come out of this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think our, our audience knows enough about our financial situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so should I go next time? Oh, Ryan, were you done with No, I'll go because I'll piggyback okay. off this stuff. I, I, I have okay. I have the lease and we did it together. Uh, let's start with Westworld ended. Yes, the we, season. We finished Westworld. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it was a uh, overall really strong season. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think the finale for the season was okay. I don't think it was incredible. I liked it a lot. Um, I think what I think it's setting up the future uh, really well. Um, I wasn't the more uh, I thought about it. I know, I'll say I liked the overall story of what season three is. Yeah. 
no individual episode to me was better than an individual episode in season two. I agree. On the whole, it was it was great. On the like, whole, it was a really good season. I like this change and the where we're going and everything. Yeah. I don't think any individual episode holds a candle to season two's episodes. Maybe except genre. Genre was pretty good. That's like the only standout episode of the season. Yeah. But um, much like Castlevania, the end of that season, how it sets up like, oh, the next season could be wild. That's what this season does too. Like it does, it does something like much like the end of the last season. It, it does like a straight like, oh, we're going this in a completely another direction again. Um, so whenever that next season comes out, uh, it's it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the ending of Westworld's uh, third season was something, especially the post credits. I and- I still can't believe what they did in the post exactly yeah it's great and um it's it's kind of a problem that like game of thrones it took its time right like up until season five or six it took its time the difference with westworld is it's not taking its time but it doesn't feel unearned like all it's it's progressing so like it's doing stuff in two seasons that shows would do in like six or seven seasons like oh, wow. for real like it's again like season one's about the park season two is about the open world where the robots are having a revolution like it goes oh. fast so imagine what the now where we're at past all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting and great that uh, the show can have that, that, that speed and that trajectory and not lose any momentum because that has what happened in Game of Thrones. And I'm glad it's not happening with this show because that would break my heart. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I also watched the last four episodes of Clone Wars. Yes. Because uh, we watched the last one together. Yeah, I watched all four episodes uh the Siege of Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore when that last episode came out, so I can just watch it like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. We'll we'll talk about that sometimes. Hello. That is. Uh, <laughs> um that, also new subscriber, so thank you. That's my stepsister. Oh, oh. well, I, it's it's either my stepsister or it's my nephew. So hi Lauren. Hi Austin. <laughs> um, watching all the way from South Padre Island, Texas. Oh nice. Oh wow. Uh, I also watched uh, the Siege of Mandalorian episodes. I rewatched them all as one thing because the last episode dropped, dropped them May the fourth, um, yeah. and I so after I watched that that one, um, I think Rex is my favorite character in all of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I definitely will say, like in the Clone Wars television series, Rex is a standout. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I really like what they did. I like we've talked about talking about the Siege of Mandalore and, and that Clone War season in another place. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave most of that for that, but that ending was really good. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, they're both listening. Awesome. Uh, I finished Castlevania and I got to tell you guys, I like the show. Um, I was thinking about it just in comparison to like other anime I'm watching right now, like brand new animal, which we watched a new episode of this week. And um, that is the most kill a kill like, the show has been up to this point. Uh, the tone was much closer in that direction from like having been its own thing up to this point. It wasn't quite like Gurren Lagann or Kill a Kill, though the animation style was vibrant. It wasn't in the same tone. And this suddenly was very much towards the Kill a Kill tone, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Castlevania, I got to tell you guys, um, if I couldn't binge it, it would be very hard to want to watch it week to week. Oh, it, really? moves, it moves very slow. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a way that's, I would find, like, I would need to wait until the whole season was out. I don't think I could watch it week to week like I watch some other anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I definitely think, like, I like the show. I think it meanders a little too long. I don't think enough happened in the third season. I agree Quickly with that. enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, like, it, it was the longest season, and it felt like the longest season. Yeah. I was like, this is, there's a lot of padding here. Yeah. We spend way too much time with the siblings 
for how oh, yeah. it all ends up. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't, need, I didn't need all the extra fluff. Okay. Uh, with that. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, because like uh, each season gets longer and longer. And I think when I when I first reviewed it as well, I was saying like it it's nice to have the extra length, but I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like it it didn't feel as tight as before, but um, it took yeah. too it took too long to get to the point of where I knew we were going with Hector. Yes. That's the whole season uh, is getting to that point, and it's like, dude, we could have done that in like three episodes. What do you mean? I, I, I like this stuff with Hector. Like the, a lot. the second like row. The second row. No, I was gonna say because like the second Lynn Rowe shows up to Hector's cell, you know what's gonna happen. She's gonna right, play yeah. him like a like a fiddle. But yeah. the, but I I will disagree. There is you have to have the time built for her to for him to trust her because if you do that all in one episode, you won't buy that he would True. he would fall that quickly. I, I like that he has to actually believe I, it. I agree yeah. with that. I still think there's probably one or two uh, trips to that setting mm -hmm. that are probably unnecessary or my alternative is i would rearrange the season so that more episodes stay in one place rather than jumping around as much mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like we're taking such a long time to get to the point of one of the stories i feel you so well, i think like, that this is, if, go ahead. sorry go ahead no i, I was saying like, i think i said this when i first reviewed it when i first reviewed it i don't think carmilla is as good of a villain as dracula was She's also not doing enough. This is all no, like planning. It's planning. This right. season, it's a planning season. Yeah. I'm most scared. But it's a when you get to the point, what what Sparks is saying, the entire season is just uh, is just one long plan of characters moving into a different position. It, mm -hmm. It's kind of it's kind of like a, a setting the chessboard season, and yeah. for uh, for a season that is the longest, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that long to get right. people into different positions. No, I also want to. Oh, go ahead, Ben. I was gonna say because I mean, obviously in season two, Carmilla, when she turns out to be this, uh, this scheming, conniving force, it's like okay, I'm a little nervous about Carmilla. But in season three, where she's supposed to be, I don't know if she's like the main villain, uh, unlike uh, those um, guys in the church where Trevor and um, what's her name are, I forgot. The, yeah. the, the people who worship Dracula. Yeah, those guys. But besides yeah. that, I was more scared of Carmilla's sisters. Yeah, they're I cool. More, I was more afraid of them than Carmilla herself. Because I no, know Carmilla's I, supposed to be like the ringleader, but I'm like, no, I'm afraid, more afraid of them than I am of Carmilla. Because Carmilla is I like Carmilla. Carmilla. I like yeah. her too. Because I bought this book. So this is so Carmilla is, is Carmilla as a character predates Dracula. She's oh. one of the old she's one of the oldest uh, vampires in, in, in literature. And I find that character to be rather compelling. I find this character to be compelling. The character that we've shown in Castlevania is not this character, and I don't know, yeah. and I don't know if I find her as compelling. Well, see, that's the thing. Um, while that is the the Carmilla from the books, this is the Castlevania Carmilla. Mm -hmm. This is the yeah. lore that it's taking on from the from the dozen games. So yeah. while yeah. it's taking from those original materials, it is still doing its own anime Castlevania thing. Uh, it's just basically taking her name in it. Anyway. Um, Lords of Shadow, actually, that Castlevania reboot that I'm playing, um, it's called Lords of Shadow because you, as Gabriel Belmont, have to go kill all the various Lords of Shadow. So it's oh, the leader oh. of the vampires, the leader of the lichens, the leader of the witches, and the leader of the vampires is Carmilla. So uh, okay. I've got to kill her soon. She seems cool. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's very unusual for an anime to jump around so frequently uh, amongst four different narratives. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would argue what I think the show needs is like, there should have been one whole episode that was just focused on Isaac. 
there should have been yeah. one whole episode that was focused on Trevor and Sly. It didn't go anywhere else. Was just there. You know, what, in actually, the town. I think if I think the stuff with Alucard is the, is the weakest stuff because that's like least prevalent to the story. I, I agree. It's just him hanging yeah. out these twins who they're banging and then they want to kill mm-hmm. him. Uh, if you honestly, that should have been a whole episode. That should have been just one episode on itself, so you can do focus on other things because all he's just teaching these people like what his magic, and then yeah. they try to kill him. There's yes. no that doesn't add anything to the story except his distrust. It's his of distrust humans. of humans. Yeah, but you can still do that in one episode. <clears throat> right, yeah. I agree. Uh, that's the thing is, I think everything feels all the more stretched out because we're so constantly jumping around mm-hmm. that it makes all yeah. these things that take longer than they need to feel like they're taking much longer. Than Those they two need extra to. episodes, you probably didn't need them. I, 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 I love every minute of Isaac stuff and I wouldn't change it for the world. That um, final battle oh in that town when all the people are like possessed by that wizard. So cool. Dude. Which is oh all the reason why anytime I'm being taken away from that story to do something where it's like, let's go talk to people in the town, Sypha. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Let's go talk to uh, this guy. We'll just sit in his house and have a nice little con- long <laughs> yeah. conversation yeah. about, hey, what have they been doing at this church? Oh, well, you know, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Go back to Isaac. Yeah. And it's hard to get past that. And this is, I think that they need to really learn pacing uh, if they're going to keep keeping the seasons at this length. That's because why I, it's, yeah. it's paced out poorly. I think season two is still, for me, the best season because it's, it's, it was eight episodes, right? Eight? Yeah. And it was eight episodes and you, you introduce all the new vampire stuff and there's all that politics and then you have a big battle at the end. So it feels <laughs> like a lot of stuff happened in only eight episodes. It feels like, like this next this new season like a third of the stuff happened in twice as much time like there's so much there's so much yeah like kind of like not I, I didn't find it boring but just so much stuff i'm like the, it's, it's, it's not like, that i find it boring yeah. but it's not it's not as engaging uh, it, right and it's the kind of thing where like again comparing it on a scale of the way usual anime operates if this wasn't on the binge model it would it would be very hard to feel yeah. motivated to like quickly come back. I would even say compared <clears throat> to season two, like this yeah. is a it's a longer, more drawn out, less uh, impactful season than right. last. That season. said, I did enjoy where uh, Oscar Isaac's character ends and where Bill Nagy's <laughs> character ends. I, I like those reveals and those and those revelations. Same, and I agree. And when I and, and I said like the the preparation for the next season, that next season is going to be dope. Did you say and, Oscar Isaac? He did say Oscar Isaac. You mean Jason Isaac? Oh, I thought you were Jason. Jason. Oh, okay. Because I was like, who the hell does Oscar Isaac voice? Jason Isaac. Jason Isaacs is the judge. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Isaacs is also Satan in Castlevania: Lords of Shadow. Nice. Yep. Already. Full circle. Yeah. He's also Satan in Star Trek Discovery. Anyway. Hey. So yeah, I finished. I finished Castlevania, and uh, those were kind of my thoughts. Is uh, I I came out of season two pretty high. I came out of season three kind of kind of middled mm-hmm. uh sure, sure. on a whole i i like it but i'm like uh you could be better yeah you could mm-hmm. there's no reason not to strive to be better um we watched another episode of motherland fort salem yes we that's did. coming down to its conclusion it's last two episode. episodes left yeah. two I episodes think two okay mm-hmm. yeah 10 episodes okay. first season um and i will make another plea to you guys and to just listeners, please watch Motherland Fort Salem. Now is the time to be giving that show attention if it's going to stick around at all past this season. Uh, people need to be watching it on Hulu, uh, just giving it a chance and checking it out because it's still cool, yeah. even though I found this episode mildly irritating. This is like, because it's a freeform show, so like it has young adult tra- trappings, but up until, I would say up until this episode, it's mm-hmm. been pretty good about like handling the tropes. This episode 
hit really hard with just teenagers being really stupid and making stupid decisions. And only really <laughs> centered around one character. So when it wasn't around that character, it didn't, it wasn't happening. But that one character, woof. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a big misstep. And I'm like, why are you acting this way? This just seems like forced drama. Uh, but besides that, it's still a good show. Still a good show. Yeah. Still very right. cool. Still invested in the world building. Mm -hmm. uh, we watched another Harley Quinn. Oh, God, man, that show's so good. That show is really God. Good. Um, Bless it. Yeah, that that was a that was a really touching episode. I it thought. was also Oh, I'm thinking of Rick and Morty. I was like, it was it's also kind really of like, weird. Uh, Harley Quinn was like an inversion on the Dark Knight. Yes, it was like a weird origin for everybody, and everyone's origin is involved with each other. Yeah. yeah. Question uh, Is that latest episode of Harley Quinn the clip where Batman puts on the Hellbat armor, but it's like an Iron Man thing? No, that was the that was the episode before. That's the previous. Okay. No, yeah, I, I saw right. that clip online. I thought it was fun. I thought it was yeah, cool. He, uh, he got his back broke or whatever. The, sh the show is worth your time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did also watch the newest Rick and Morty. Yes, man. The guy who wrote that episode, uh, Jeff Loveness, he's writing Ant-Man 3. Um, guys, this this episode was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Rick and Morty's back. Uh it's it's i can't even describe the episode because it's just it's it's a rick and morty I can, uh, it's so it's so bonkers just to give you kind of the concept it's a it's a story about them being caught on a narrative train uh, a literal train a literal train based around narr anthology narrative that spins in a circle and more rick has to figure their way out of it because he doesn't want to do anthology narrative storytelling. It's a it's a meta like Deadpool esque. Like, so each oh. train car is trying to navigate them to a character that will tell them a different story about their past or adventure they've had, and Rick's trying to break the cycle because he hates anthologies. Because he hates anthologies, and the narrative gets and like every time Morty like tries to uh, dissect the narrative, Rick gets pissed at him because he's like, you can't. You can't just break this. It, it's it's functioning as yeah. it is. If you keep trying to dissect it, it's going to all collapse. <laughs> it's like it feels like the smartest Family Guy episode ever made. Yeah. If that makes sense, like the way it's presented, um, <coughs> that show continues to be wow. Like man. Uh, and then the other thing uh, I forgot to mention last week that uh, I I've been rewatching Community because Megan's watching Community for the first time. So there's so been a lot of going through it for the first time. Yeah. So so we're somewhere in season two, which is nice. Um, past that, I've been doing finals. I've had schoolwork. I haven't done anything else of note. That's it. Uh, ben, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I didn't do a whole lot uh, this week. I know uh, when made a f when like uh, I started watching the Disney Gallery for the Mandal for the Mandalorian episodes on uh, May the Fourth. Yeah, uh, that first episode about the directors is really good. Um, it really is good. Yeah, I, highly, I just liked listening to how Dave Filoni got the job to work on oh Clone God. Wars. Or oh, yeah, when, he, when he's just like, but you already did the Clone Wars. The guy yeah. SpongeBob put you up to this. What? Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea that he worked on Avatar: Last Airbender. Yeah, neither did I. I did not know that. I was like, oh my god, Dave Filoni worked on Avatar? That's one of my favorite shows of all time. So. I didn't know, I don't know anything about Dave Filoni. Like, I've yeah. never watched an interview or or done anything. Um, but like watching him talk. But now listening to him talk, like that dude is so cool and he's so nice and he is clearly the biggest Star Wars fan on the planet. Yeah. And like, yeah, that story, you haven't watched this yet, right? Okay. Uh, but yeah, the story about him, like how he got the job, how he thought it was a prank is yeah. like the sweetest, most unbelievable story. Like he, he was like this close to not having that job because he thought it was a joke. Uh -huh. And like where the world we be, would be now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I was very surprised how good that documentary series is. How's it going, Combo G Spot? Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to watch that for sure. And it's weekly, yeah. so yeah, uh, nice 
big yeah, test. We're gonna watch episode two. Uh, I'm gonna watch episode two tonight. Um, so I'm obviously May the Fourth was on Monday. So instead of actually watching Star any Star Wars movies, uh, si- since I have Disney Plus on my cell phone, I just I listen to uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Mm. And like the audiobook? No, no. Like I had the movie play on he my phone, but I was, while he was at work. No, I get it. So I was just listening to it, and guys, those movies are rad. I love they those are. movies. Those movies are fantastic. And I actually listened to Last Jedi on Friday, and holy crap, guys, Last Jedi is amazing. Oh I my just, god! Just I mean, listening to Last Jedi made me like, because I know when I first saw it a few, well, we saw it a few years ago. I was like, I didn't know how I feel, uh, how, didn't know how I felt about it. And then as we talked about, it, I was like, no, I like this. And then the more I watched it, I loved it. Even just listening to it, it's like, god damn, this is like the, one of the best Star Wars films to come out in years. Top two. It um, is. It is amazing. And it kind of, and just thinking about that kind of made me a little mad at Rise of Skywalker, but I don't want to jump into that. Uh, I, real quick, Ben. Um, so actually, on May the 4th, I played some Republic Commando for a little bit. Uh, I didn't play too much of it because that is something I might, we might want to do later as a, mm-hmm. as a nice arcade thing. But um, I, yes. watched, I watched The Rise of Skywalker on Monday, and I forgot I watched it. <laughs> I really did. It was like two o'clock in the morning, and I was on Disney Plus, and I was like, "Watch it!" And I'm like, "Okay, uh, I got to be honest, guys. I got to be 100 percent honest with you." After the months, at the months of not seeing it, after you know, uh, my my the hype's down. You know, I my I can look on it with fresh eyes. Uh, that movie still sucks. <laughs> But also, oh, sorry, sorry. Look, sorry. Okay, no, no disrespect for people who like it. No, no, uh, no, no. I just, I, every little thing that I saw, I was like, compared to The Last Jedi, this is, I just yeah. can't believe this is, this is what we get. I'm so sad. Sorry, real quick, Ben. Patrick Williams did a video on, on The Rise of Skywalker and kind of like what, kind of the Star, Star, Star Wars. And he put it really succinctly. Like, the prequels aren't great movies, but the plot developments within the prequels uh, are, good and they feel natural and they flow and they they work within the, the narrative structure of that story uh and the story at large uh so you can you can accept those as the story beats of that story the rise of skywalker is the first time where i just fundamentally can't seem to accept the story i again and that going back to my first review and i don't want to talk about this too much because we've done it a lot but yeah, it's have. not just that i think it's a bad star wars movie i think it's a bad movie I just think it's a poorly made movie. The execution on a lot of it's bad. The editing's bad. Like the ADR, some of it's bad. Like so, also knowing like the behind the scenes stuff, I see that now, and I'm just like, bummer, yeah. bummer. Yeah. But <laughs> even bummer. Uh, but here, here's one of the things I wanted to get to because obviously it's May the Fourth. It's Star Wars Day. Everyone's posting about Star Wars. I mean, Mag, Mag just said, watch yeah. the Clone Wars. Yeah, watch the, the Clone Wars. And just listening to the films, and even just being with my own thoughts while listening to the movies. I'm thinking, I was like, I'm like, you know what? I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I love Star Wars as a whole. I absolutely love Star Wars. And you I, love Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Randall. But it was just one of those things that I see people on Twitter just constantly arguing about how shit Last Jedi was, how horrible the, the sequel films are, Disney ruining Star Wars. It's like, you know what? Star Wars is awesome. Star Wars saw- as a whole is awesome. Are there things I like about it? Yes. Are there things I don't like about it? Of course there are. But like every you know what? Property. Star Wars is great. Ben, I, uh, about it. I was looking at something uh, real quick. I have two points that I want to say about your point. So one, uh, I was looking up something on 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 on, uh, 
on the, the Google the other day, and it was something something related to Star Wars. I was looking for something specific, and then there's a website that says Disney. There's Disney ruined Star Wars which is a quote unquote news site about how much Disney ruined Star Wars. Uh, screw that guy. Two, um, I wanted to say one of the things that I really love about the Four Center podcast, our friend Ken Knapsack puts on the uh, Four Center podcast, is that they always talk about how Star Wars is a buffet. There yeah. are there is something for everyone on the mm-hmm. Star Wars buffet. If you don't like uh, the Thrawn novels, you can find the Clone Wars TV series. If you don't like the, the movies, you can find the Rebel show. Like, there are things for everyone within Star Wars, and I just think that's rather great. And I posted about that on my, on May the 4th. Yeah, once that's... once a property gets big enough where you have multiples of, of it, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it becomes impossible to satisfy everyone. So, like, oh, just yeah. like comics or movies or TV shows, anything, yeah. it's like, you find what you like. Like the Star Wars books I'm picking up now, uh, the mainline Star Wars books and Darth Vader, they're top notch. Yeah. They're amazing. But anyways, going back to the rest of my week. So I just want to say I love Star Wars. I know. Wait, that's... Sorry. I, I just want to, I was waiting for a break. I just wanted to chime <laughs> in on Rise of Skywalker stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is that uh, I thought something that was really cool is on May the 4th, what I saw happen on Twitter is I saw a lot of people, I think I shared a few, uh, talking about even though that like that whether it was people there were people who were like i love rise of skywalker and that kind of thing and there are people who were like i don't really like rise of skywalker however let me point out some things that are pretty cool about it yeah. and i appreciated okay. that, that there were people who were looking to be like there the one that i liked in particular was there was a thread of like 12 things that i was like look at all these things that carry over from last jedi mm-hmm. like I understand that there are like narrative issues and things, but look that somebody, maybe not JJ, maybe not uh, Chris Terrio, certainly, but like somebody was trying to bring some connective tissue from Last Jedi over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I appreciate that that things are like that are out there and that, that, you know, it's important to look at the things that like, you know, Rise of Skywalker has its value. It yeah. will. And it's funny because like the way I think about, Attack of the Clones today is probably the way I'll think about Rise of Skywalker in eight years, where I'm like, ah, but I watch it, <laughs> and and that's just it. I think I think the Rise of Skywalker's true detriment, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm seeing what comic book G Spot has said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the biggest flaw of Rise of Skywalker is just the massive marketing and intention going into it as far as like bringing Palpatine in to be the final stamp on a saga rather yeah. than just being the end of the Force Awakens trilogy. Yeah. yeah. I wish it had just tried to be a good finale to that trilogy mm-hmm. rather than trying to be some capstone to the entire series. Because that was never because that was never going to hit all the marks. Right. And, <laughs> with the not with the way that they were going into it yes i got into it with with a couple people on twitter i don't know if any of you guys saw um but there was a i was discussing like how rise look i i'll i'm fully willing to admit the last jedi got me more excited about star wars than i had ever been in my entire life i have never been more excited about star wars than after watching the last jedi ever so going into the rise of skywalker i was really crushed like oh my god I put my faith in something so strongly for the first time ever, only to immediately be disappointed. Like that really hurt. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I, I saw was someone was, so the art book is out. So there's a lot of things in the, in the Rise of Skywalker that have that have retconned prior, not just films, well, that's the most egregious thing, retconned the films, but also what has been established in the new canon. Now the new canon has been so carefully constructed to try not to contradict. They're not always successful, but they do a pretty pretty good job of doing their best. Um, for example, uh, I will never forgive them for making Leia a bad mother, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I will never forgive them for what happened to Poe's parents. 
Yeah. Apparently, yeah, Poe Dameron was adopted by two white people and became a smuggler when he decided to run away. Uh, Poe's parents have, deserve a lot better than I that. I have some comics. I know okay. what it's Yeah, I, I have um, Shattered Empire somewhere where Luke goes on a mission with Poe's mom. It's somewhere around here. It's probably in my in my in my so storage those of my are, garage. Those are, just, those are just the two examples that I, that I can think of off the top of my head, where it almost feels like the the rise of Skywalker is punishing people for being invested in the new canon because they just said, "No, this is the this is the thing." And so if that was really going to be the case from the from the start, which is what JJ Abrams keeps talking about, like this was always supposed to be the plan. If it was, someone should have known the plan, mm-hmm. and not just JJ Abrams. Yeah. Because yeah. clearly no one but him knew it. Yeah. Right. And I and I, I would argue that he didn't know it. Because yeah. he never knows how he's going to end anything. I uh, um, uh, if, if you watch that documentary, JJ... Oh, I'm sorry, I also watched the two-hour making-of documentary. Uh, uh, I was going to bring that up. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. But it's really funny because on the first day of set, JJ uh, very honestly is like, I promise you, I never thought I'd be on this set in my entire life ever again. And not in, in, a, in a way like he's happy to be there, but he's like, I never thought this, I would come back. So I don't think he had a plan. Yeah, uh, I I think that uh, it's, you know, with the oldest thing to say about it is that it didn't yes and, uh, it actually went no but. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, and and but here's the lovely thing is somehow in a decade, somebody probably Filoni is going to make something that makes Rise of Skywalker stuff make more sense An animated and fix show. problems yeah. and carry us into the future and make it so it's just kind of acceptable. It's going to be an animated show. Just like show. Attack of the Clones. Animated show. I watched watch the, watch the Star Wars timeline, continuity that Star Wars Explained always puts up every May the 4th. They like they make a long-ass video about what the Star Wars canon timeline is. And it was really cool. But when, when, it got to, when it got to Palpatine making clones of himself, it was like, Palpatine somehow made a non-Force Force-sensitive clone that doesn't look anything like him. And then that had a child. And like, I hate really? that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the explanation that the Skywalker novelization gives for Ray's dad. I'm just like, that's really weird. Yeah. It was one more Star Wars thing since I don't know if he's still listening, but uh, my nephew Austin and my stepsister Lauren, one little thing I wanted to point out is that when I, uh, I remember back when we were living together at the old house in Diamond Bar, uh, my little nephew Austin, he was playing, Austin, if you remember this, type in the comments, please. But he was weird. Clone Wars was on, and that's why I found out that Darth Maul lived. Yeah, he was played with his uh, action figures. Cartoon Network was on the side. I think I was on my laptop doing something, but then I stopped whatever I was doing because I saw Darth Maul alive, and I actually started watching the episodes with like all my entire attention was set on that. I don't know if Austin remembers that or not, but if he does, awesome. So anyways, the rest of my week, the rest of my week uh, involved uh, watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. I am on episode 21 or 22. I can't remember which, but I'm almost there. And also, I've, I finished reading uh, Dragon's Wrath by Rachel Liffin. We did our uh, second to last episode um, this uh, yesterday, last yesterday. So that's up on YouTube on Downright Nerdy's thing. And besides that, I played a little bit more Dark Souls with my brother. And I got to, there's this one boss fight. I did it a few weeks ago. I forgot to mention it last week, but there's this one boss fight that Fanny and I, especially Fanny, she's been wanting to watch me play, and that's the Dancer of the Boreal Valley. Yeah, I know that guy. Oh, yeah, you know her, right? So, because Fanny and I, before we even got into Dark Souls, we would see a whole bunch of videos about people trying to fight the Dancer and getting their asses handed to him, and it's freaking hilarious. So, when I stumbled onto the Dancer, we beat Yorm the Giant. We get thrust into this, uh, I get thrust into this thing. So, because my brother and I were playing co-op, he 
fouls out because that's what you do after you do a co-op boss fight your guest like gets kicked out and then once uh i get to the spot i'm like okay i'm gonna put the thing on the fit do the thing and i didn't know what was gonna happen and then the dancer just comes right out of nowhere i have no estus which is like your health potions i am completely out my health is already halfway below what's supposed to be. So I'm screaming the whole time. Fanny's watching me laughing her butt off. And Peyton's on the on the voice chat laughing his ass off. Because I'm like, no, I'm going to die. And I did. I'm pretty sure. It's been a while. But I'm pretty sure you, you're put into that boss encounter to die. Yeah. Am I right? I, yeah, I okay. don't know. Because there is a way that you. Because the game it makes you, the game makes you feel like you have to put the bases on the thing to go forward. Yeah. But you don't have to. You can just turn right back around and go back to the bonfire because there's a bonfire right outside that that help that heals you up. Yeah. Then you can go back inside because I because I I had tunnel vision. I was just looking straight forward. I'm like, okay, I have to go there, and then I realized what was happening. But luckily, once my brother jumped in, we did co-op. We kick her ass both times. And yeah, now it's very yeah. like, like has two swords and it's very. It was like, a super fun boss fight. Dark Souls Three. I absolutely love that game. It's so much fun playing co-op. And my brother and I, right now, we're in the Grand Archives. And the Grand Archives suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just, it's, it's annoying. You have to, like, dip your head in wax. Otherwise, these haunted bookshelves will have, like, these hands come out and try to snag you. But the thing is, you can still move around them, but they curse you. And if you're 100% cursed, it's an instant death. Dude, the dude with the candlestick heads, those guys are so cool. Oh, those are cool. They're yeah, cool. Yeah. I love murdering them, but I hate the books. Hear that, guys? Ben loves murder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Don't murder. Murder is bad. If you're listening, uh, listening uh, Austin, don't murder people. <laughs> Only virtually. My, uh, my, yeah, that, that, was, that was my week. <clears throat> uh, we did forget one thing. You did Downright Annoyed again. I did do Downright Annoyed. Yes, we watched that movie together. Yes. Uh, so this week's was, was my choice. It was a 2005 musical directed and written by John Turturro called Romance and Cigarettes. Uh, it stars the late, great James Gandolfini as a whoremaster who cheats on his wife, Susan Sarandon, and the hilarity and sadness that ensues, but with music. Uh, Brandon, this movie's really entertaining, and uh, it's a, like, working-class musical, so nobody, almost nobody in the cast can sing well, and nobody is, like, a professional dancer, Mm -hmm. Uh, so all all of it is done, like, without glamour. It's all, like, you know, like construction guys and garbage men come out and they do like really basic little weird moves in the street the while they're hands. singing in lip sync along with a song but they're st- you can still hear them and none of them are on pitch and none of them are on key but it's really entertaining and <laughs> all of the musical numbers are like that where it's just kind of like what if what if it was a musical but everybody just you know wasn't a musical star <laughs> and it's really good <laughs> and weird but good romance and cigarettes I love it. Um, okay, so I did do a couple of things. I'll bounce off real quickly. We talked about talk about Star Wars. I did watch the Skywalker Legacy the documentary that is on Disney Plus. is also part of the uh, Rise of Skywalker, um, Rise of Skywalker bonus features on the DVD. Um, when I see the title, The Skywalker Legacy, I expect it to be a documentary about the Skywalker Legacy, mm-hmm. and not a scene by scene, blow by blow documentary how they did it of the Rise of Skywalker movie. You get li- little bits. You get tiny Not bits enough. of the 80s. Not enough to justify that title. I agree. It starts off in like 1980. And then it's just like, oh, it's just all about JJ and Chris Terrio and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, man. And, and it, was, uh, it, 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 it was like watching 
uh, Sparks, you will just, I think you'll, I think we've talked about this, what I'm about to say before, and I think you disagree with me, so I, but I don't know, I don't want to make an assumption. Um, it's like watching the Day of the Doctor uh, uh, episode of Doctor Who, the 50th anniversary. I hold that the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, uh, the Day of the Doctor, is primarily uh, an ego stroke for Stephen Moffat. Whereas I think, and I think that the Skywalker Legacy documentary is primarily an ego stroke for J.J. Abrams. And I don't think that, a that that's fine. It should have a different title. The director of The Jedi, which is the last Jedi documentary, about just as long, uh, it also is really about, and also really good. And it's about how Ryan Johnson, it's very candid, about Ryan Johnson making The Last Jedi. And that works. That title works. That's that. It's a special feature on The Last Jedi. It should be about The, the Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. The Skywalker Legacy shouldn't be a documentary about how J.J. Abrams fixed Star Wars. It should be a documentary on the on the Skywalker Legacy. What does it mean to people? How does it, I was just very underwhelmed by it. I I, uh, I won't say I was underwhelmed because honestly, anytime I get to see behind the scenes features, whether it's what I whether what I thought it was going to be the whole saga or just Rise of Skywalker, I came here to see the Rise of Skywalker making of, so I kind of figured it would be a lot of that. Uh, but yes, calling it the Skywalker legacy, I expected way more of that. Though there are plenty and plenty of documentaries about the making of those movies already. So like, sure. if you but I don't need to see a documentary about the making of the movies, but like the legacy of them and how they impact people, like from an official Lucasfilm stance, would be pretty yeah. interesting. To see. Um, watching this documentary, like I didn't, I don't need to see. I was like, I should watch the movie after this. I did, I did. The documentary is the movie. Yeah, just blow it with it. it, it is. It is structurally the same movie because it, it it takes it scene by scene in progression in, in narrative progression, and I found that fascinating that they would do that in a documentary. Anyway, yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, but I will say one second, real real quick. I, I thought it was really funny because uh, Chris Terry, I was the writer of the movie, yeah. and he has a line where he's like, you know, I'm just like I'm like the world's biggest Star Wars fan. So for me to be able to like finish the saga as a fan, as a fan, he kept saying as a fan. And I'm like, yeah. he also wrote. BVS and Justice League. I don't think you're a good fan. I don't I know if you're so a bad fan, but if you're a fan, this is your work, buddy. I'm Go for sure. I'm pretty sure he, Dave Filoni is the biggest Star Wars fan alive. I'm pretty sure Ken Knapsack beats Chris Terrio out as a Star Wars fan. In terms of what he did for the franchise. And okay. And, and he even talks about, like, you know, we had such a hard time figuring out what the ending was going to be. And I'm just like, it shows. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, I, I, real quick, I have a pet peeve about anybody anybody calling themselves i'm the biggest fan of blah 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 yeah sure oh yeah trump has yeah. ruined it trump <laughs> has oh. ruined it. i'm the biggest of anything yeah. no you're not you never are i mean i'll so definitely say, i'll definitely say i'm the biggest uh, sonic fan amongst our group but i'm definitely not the biggest sonic fan in the world i'm not even close guys, like honestly do you want to know who probably is the biggest fan of star wars George, George Lucas, Lucas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he made it, is usually the biggest fan because they cared about it enough to make it. It's true, all of it. it so is I do want to keep, want to keep it Star Wars related because I did do a couple of Star Wars things because of May the Fourth. Um, yeah. Obviously, I watched the the finale of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and I won't talk too much about that. But what it did was it got me more interested in Star Wars again, which was something that uh, hasn't happened in a while. Um, and I, and specifically that era of the Clone Wars, uh, and roughly around that, so I ended up buying. Uh, a bunch of Star Wars books, Dark Disciple and the Ahsoka novel. Um, two novels that are around that era. Dark Disciple was, in fact, supposed to be a Clone Wars episode, but they canceled Clone Wars, so they turned it into a book. And I read 
Star Wars Darth Maul Son of Dathomir, which was also supposed to be a four-part uh, Clone Wars episode before it was canceled. Um, and about how Darth Maul escaped Darth Sidious, Star Sidious prison, and came back to Mandalore where we find him in the Siege of Mandalore. That's the um, comic, right? Yeah. Comic, yeah, it was adapted into yeah, a comic book. That That's a good one. I really liked it. I really, I, I thought that was a really good comic. Uh, and I really, I, I wish it had been made into an in, into a episode, but Doesn't I was happy that it that's when we're like Sidious goes to Dathomir to like find Maul and he's like, You escaped me, right? Or something, right? Is that a different comic? That's a that, I think that's a different one. Is that a different one? Okay. Because definitely the, there's definitely a comic that I read where Sidious goes to find Maul. He's like, You escaped me. I can't let this happen. You know my this shit. Is, this is so basically the the plot is actually Sidious wants to kill Mother Talzin, who is the the leader of the Night Sisters and the yeah, Dathomir. It's right? Yeah, it's that yeah. book. And so Sidious and Grievous track down Dooku and Maul on Dathomir. And they kill yep. Mother Talzin. That's how, and that you know that, that builds off of the the destruction of the Night Sisters from previous episode of the Clone Wars series, which lead it, led into Rebels and the Jedi Fallen Order. So seeing those those things were really cool. It's sad it didn't make it into the show, but I was happy that it exists somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so I bought some, but I also watched the Disney Gallery. And we talked a little bit about the first episode. I want to talk about the second episode because the second episode aired on Friday. Every episode subsequently will be aired on Friday. Uh, the second episode has a two minute long. Uh, speech of Dave Filoni at the end that really doesn't have anything to do with the with the rest of the episode, but he talks about what the fight between Qui Gon Jinn, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Darth Maul means. And I've seen one. this clip. Yeah, I was and that. holy shit, I never I never put that together. And seeing it like and hearing it him say that what that what that fight meant was actually a fight for Anakin's soul because Qui Gon would have would have needed to be the father figure, whereas Obi Wan couldn't be. Mm. Like, Dave Filoni is like, the reason why it's called Duel of Fates is because Qui-Gon knows that he's fighting for Anakin's soul. Oh. And he knows that he is the one that needs to train Anakin because he will keep Anakin in the light because Anakin needs a father figure. Obi-Wan doesn't want to be Anakin's master. He does it out of obligation. He becomes his brother, but not his father. And that's where the, and that's, and that's kind of where his fall starts. And I'm like, holy shit. Holy shit. And like, everything clicked about Star Wars for me in a way that it never had before. Like, I got to the point where, like, yeah, everyone keeps talking about like Star Wars about hope. Star Wars about hope. What's that? What the hell does that mean? No, Star Wars about love. It's about love of family. Love. Every Star Wars movie is about them trying to fight for someone they love. And, and Anakin, Anakin losing his father figure. That through line goes all the way to Return of the Jedi, and that's what Dave Filoni says all the way through Return of the Jedi, where he realizes that he needs to be the father to Luke, and kills Darth Sidious because he needs to be a father. It's like, damn, Whoa. damn Filoni, damn Filoni. You, if only that was in the movie. Baloney just got me liking Phantom Menace a lot more than I do. Holy crap. See, that's the thing that, that uh, we've always talked about, about George Lucas. George Lucas isn't great when it comes to storytelling. He's great with, with he's great with a lot of world building and a lot of themes. But when it comes to the story, he, he it, it hurts. Like we talked about like the, the prequel trilogy could have used another pass on the script. So these things are there. And if you and if you kind of like take the time to to look, they're they're there. Obviously you shouldn't have to, but I, I uh, yeah I, I agree but i do think that if you do put in the work for something like that it does kind of reward it. and you see like the books or like clone wars talk about what dave filoni said is in the movie it's not just dave filoni talking about like it's always been there and it is in the supplementary material but like i said you don't you shouldn't have to read it but i find this stuff really interesting and really engaging I mean, it, it makes sense with, like, going back to even the earliest Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, they went out of their way to include a section where Anakin 
is young in a dream and visiting uh, what looks like Dagobah, and he sees Qui-Gon's spirit with his gigantic nose. Big ass nose. Yeah. Uh, like they, they, never, they never really lost sight of that. That loss was important to Anakin. That Qui-Gon was, should have been the, the but master. I just, uh, but I, I would argue even that the flaw isn't, I wouldn't even say the flaw is in episode one in the portrayal of that story. It's two. It's that in two, that isn't anywhere present in the film about a fact about Anakin. Sure. It's not even alluded to or hinted at. In the, and part of that is because they rob that film of the relationship dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin for most of its runtime. Yeah. That's where they really slip up the ball. I don't think episode one had to do much more legwork to tell that story. It's on episode two to have built off of that. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, but so, done with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I watched the My Scientology movie of Brian's recommendation. Uh, very fascinating religion, Scientology. Uh, very strange. Very like, always like, always got the fists up. These guys. Yes, they're very protective. Very protective. Yeah. Is it true that the after the South Park episode of Scientology, that the church actually sent people like private investigators to hunt to follow Trace Dota yeah. Matt Parker to find yes. stuff of, like dirt on them, but they didn't find anything on them. Yes. Surprise. If you watch this movie, my Scientology movie, uh, it talks if- about that. If you do anything about researching Scientology, they send people after you. Oh, the, wow. the entire My Scientology movie, the documentary guy has do- people filming him from the Scientology Center the entire time. Yeah. Um, where did, where watched, do you watch this documentary? Is it on Netflix? Netflix. That's so okay. I also watched the, on Hulu, the McMillions documentary series is on Hulu right now. It's also available on HBO. I was able to watch that whole series, uh, all six episodes. That's wild. The idea that for 20 years... The McDonald's Monopoly game was run and controlled by the mafia. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know the full story, but finding this out, I was what? like, "It's like finding out all of like uh, uh, FIFA was rigged for years and stuff." Yeah. I'm like, "Well, what? FIFA kind of is rigged, but that's but that's that, that's a whole different." Thing. But anyways, are you telling me that back in the early in the late 1996, Up when until I was 2001, so when I was begging my parents to take me to McDonald's so I could win a Nintendo 64, that was from the freaking mafia. You were never gonna win. You were never gonna win because the mafia controlled who won. Bibbidi bobby. It's crazy, right? Wow. Then. And the way they did it, man. The way it happens at the end, I'm not gonna spoil how 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 it was able to happen, but like you you learn you learn kind of what the steps are and what and and so nobody can quite figure out like okay we know why we know who but how. It's impossible. You know what? Now it's that impossible. I think of- so like by the end of the episode, he tells you how. And it's like, seriously? Wow. I'm going to watch so, this. Now that I think about it, they haven't done the Monopoly game at McDonald's for a they do bring. They have brought back the Monopoly game. It, they it is back. back a couple years ago. Yeah, a couple yeah. years ago, but because it used to be a yearly thing. Yeah. Now it's not anymore. Yeah. Well, the, 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 uh, because of this, the, because of this two, Two uh, companies that ran that helped run the the McDonald's monop- uh, Monopoly game went uh-huh. out of business. Oh, okay. Because of this. Uh, not because of the, but not because of the story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, it was wild, wild documentary. Um, oh, yeah, but uh, real quick, you, Brandon, you reminded me of something. I also started watch the first episode of Solar Opposites, Justin Rowland's new show on Hulu. Check that out. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. I'm gonna watch the rest of the season eventually. Uh, so, two, so a couple more things, really quick. Um, I watched the first Mortal Kombat movie again because that movie is awesome. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, I wanted all of us to do that. That's okay. Oh, I, just, do I just made I wanted something on, and I was like, I'm in a Mortal Kombat mood, and it's on Netflix, so I just press play. 
Brandon, um, I was just gonna. Do you see this? You see the top right, the NP, the Netflix party. Uh, I wanted us to try to do a commentary. I think we can do commentaries with Netflix party because oh, okay. we have Netflix. Uh, we're not gonna talk about it now, but we can. We'll fi- we can figure it out. Yeah, stay tuned, guys, for that. Um, that movie, that movie, I just want to point it out. Um, uh, I watched the first episode of Middle Edition Sports off of Ryan's recommendation. Yeah, that's that was really freaking funny, dude. I, no joke, like. I watched that uh, uh, with the help of marijuana, spoiler alert, kids, at like two o'clock in the morning, and I was dying laughing. Yeah. Like just con- like waking up my neighbors probably just, <laughs> like, they are so funny. And finally, to wrap up this hour-long introduction of our show, I watched the end of Evangelion. Congratulations. And uh, uh, I need some time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But- Basically, I was telling Ben about this, uh, and, and no, and no spoilers, obviously. Um, but the end of the Evangelion movie is the is twenty five and twenty six again. It, it's just the last two episodes again, but from a um, not necessarily a different story. But it's just the same story from a different perspective, and you kind of get more context of what the last two episodes were actually supposed to be saying. It just explains a lot more things. Yeah, it explains a lot more things. Uh, except there is an ending that doesn't happen in the show because the show ends in a different way. Um, but like when that ending happens and 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 Shinji is there and things, I'm just like, okay. So now you watch end, end of Evangelion. I told you about uh, this Crunchyroll uh, series about explaining anime, Brandon. I now I need you to watch explaining all 33 alternate realities of Evangelion. Soon, I, I need some time. Because <laughs> that I will need- explain, that'll explain the movies and the shows and all the games and how they're all actually connected. I need I need some. What I need a minute to kind of digest. It's that's, that's a good that's a good feeling. I love that. You gotta, um, you gotta, yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's it is. It was a wild anime. Uh, I will watch Rebuild of Evangelion eventually, but I just like like I said, I need a minute. No, where I'm at Evangelion, I'm starting to, to see where it's not a mech. Show. I got past the point where it's not a mech show, and it's getting me real sad. It, yeah. it, it, I, I'm getting the feels. I am like. <laughs> Oh shit! I I, I could I could relate to Shinji. I was like, man, I could relate to Shinji a little bit. Wow, this anime's gonna get me cried at the end of it. I'm not looking forward to it, but at the same time, I am. Episodes. You are. I will say, I will say this, Ben. You're not prepared. You're 100 no. prepared for what happens in those last two episodes. Oh man, it's kind of like at the end of Girl Laga, where I was like, why? No. 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 <laughs> anyway. Can right. we get into our news, Brenda Butter? Yeah. Does Gurren oh. change animation styles halfway through its finale? No. I think so. Does it? Okay, because Evangelion sure does. Does it? I don't remember. No, no Gurren Lagann does not. So yeah, I think we got that beat. Okay. Sorry for the length of the episode, guys, but we don't get to see each other anymore. So this is we our time. three hours. We're great. Yeah, this is a uh, this is just our, our time that we get to hang out and, and yep. chat. Oh yeah. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, Lord and Austin, if you're still here, strap it or get yourself something to drink because we're going to be here for a while. And here's your bread and your butter. Here's your bread butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. We do have some sad news. A couple of deaths happened this week. Um, so to start off, uh, Little Richard. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that one kind of... Fanny told me last night he passed away and I'm like, that hurts because yeah. you wouldn't have like you wouldn't have the Beatles, you wouldn't have Elvis Presley, or you wouldn't have um, Chuck Berry. You wouldn't have a lot of those uh, famous rock and rollers that we know 
without little Richard. Yeah, he died at the age of 87 this week from bone cancer. Uh, he, he did live a good long life, though. I mean, 87, 87 is... Uh, uh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. Yeah, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Tootie for any? Yeah, man. You know, Tootie Fruity is actually, I, mean, I know that's like his most famous songs, but uh, that I had Tootie Fruity stuck in my head back when I was in college when I saw the movie Pirate Radio. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yeah. No, yeah, that movie is so rad, but Tootie Fruity, that's like one of those, like those, those old rock songs that no, you can never get tired of. Like every time you hear "Womp Bop Blow Up" and "Womp Bam Boom," and you just like just go into it. I think I also saw a video of Freddie Mercury covering at a concert he did. It was just amazing. Sure. Um, as well, I, this week, um, Roy Horn passed away. This week, this is the other half of Siegfried and Roy. Oh yes. Oh yeah, that. Ooh. The, you know the famous Vegas duo Siegfried and Roy. Uh, Roy Horn passed away this week at the age of 75 due to complications of COVID-19. Oh, that sucks. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't realize he was that old, actually. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, I actually, we talked about this um, on the Downright Annoyed movie pod podcast that we did. Um, uh, I was, I didn't know which one had already passed away, and none of us were actually sure. And we weren't sure which one was the one who got attacked by the tiger. So it was a very awkward, like, oh, we don't know any of the information. We're I want to say Siegfried was the one who was attacked by the tiger. Okay. But I think Siegfried is still alive. I think Siegfried is still alive. Oh, yeah. I no, they were all wrong. Yeah. yeah. So Roy, because obviously you have Siegfried and Roy, and then you had that one show that was on NBC for a while called uh, Father the Pride. You remember that show? No, no, no. What, what Mag was saying. Oh. The Drew Carey show. Oh, okay. But also, um, Siegfried Roy, I think they were producers on a show called Father of the Pride, which was an animated show on NBC for a while, which had John Goodman star as one of the, the Tigers uh, or Lions. I remember it that was, show. It yeah. was Roy who was attacked by the tiger. Oh, it was Roy. Okay. It was Roy. Wow, he survived getting attacked by a tiger. Wow. Yes, he did. But Green uh, jelly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it still sucks, but... It sucks. It sucks because he was one of the famous Las Vegas entertainers, and the fact that he still stayed in Las Vegas taking care of they stopped doing the Tiger shows, obviously, after he got attacked, and then they start if, I, if, if I'm correct on this, cool, but if I'm not, please let me know that they, after the cancellation of their shows, they started doing more to conserve Tigers, and they started taking care of the Tigers that were at the Mirage um, Casino Resort in Las Vegas. That's true, but they always got a bit of pushback for the fact that their efforts were pretty much allocated to just their tigers okay they were making big pushes for like things like what joe exotic was doing oh uh, and people called on them like you guys should be the guys lead, like spearheading a mm -hmm. campaign to stop this and they never picked up that mantle okay yeah. All right. um richard sala passed away this week at the age of 61 he was a cartoonist for fantagraphics he uh he drew books such as night drive the hidden and blood card uh Cause of death was given, but he was a uh, uh, well-loved cartoonist within the uh, uh, comic book industry. Mm -hmm. uh, Juan Vlasco, who is an inker for Marvel Comics primarily, however, he did the DC Comics. Um, he's been working for uh, he's been inking for Marvel Comics for years. Like he was, 50, so he's fifty-one years old. Um, he apparently had append appendicitis operation, which he died from complications in that. Oh um, man. He he was an anchor for books such as USA US Avengers uh, most yeah. recently Amalgam yeah. going back as far as the Amalgam comics from DC yeah. Marvel yeah. 
and Uncanny X-Men. He does a bunch of those comics. So. I, I had appendicitis when I was 15. Uh, and, and I almost died because, uh, uh, if I would have waited like an hour longer, I would have been too poisoned from, from the, from the appendix. Uh, that sucks, dude. Like I hearing things like this pisses me off because we don't even use our appendix. It's just a poison vessel. It's just a poison bag. And the fact that like just the complications of trying to get it removed, like that's, that's such a shame, dude. Yeah. Um, apparently the operation went, um, oh wait, no, this was the other one. This, yeah, this was surgery. Um, Leslie Pope was the other one I was, I was speaking of. Leslie Pope passed away this week. Um, she was a set director for many MCU films as well as many Spielberg films, such as Winter Soldier and, uh, you know, she did Seabiscuit. Um, she was 65 years old and she died from complications from heart surgery. Those complications arose from a surgery she did in February. So that sucks. Yeah. That is yeah. Um, okay. So some more lighthearted news, I guess. Uh, we don't really have any any uh, specific COVID news this week because uh, a lot of places are starting to reopen and starting to kind of find a sense of normalcy. Slowly but surely. Just a couple of weeks, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, in California, I I think the four step process that Governor Newsom did was reasonable. So we'll see what we'll see what um, happens. It was reasonable. It's a shame that there's a lot of places that are saying, "Yeah, we're just gonna not do that." Yeah. Gotta get well, the haircuts. What so you, this, say, you say things lighten up on Friday? We don't have to wear the mask anymore. Everybody, stop wearing your mask. Don't even worry. Uh, about <laughs> um, so I wasn't sure where to put this, but I knew this had to be in the episode. So this is just a random bit of news that needed to be done. Let's do it. Nicholas Cage has been cast as Joe Exotic. <laughs> he, he's not my first choice, but the fact that this is a TV show and not like a big movie, uh, it makes me excited. Yeah, he has never done TV, yeah. right? This is his first television role. He is, the series is going to be based on a book called Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey into the World of a Man Gone Wild by Leif uh, Reigstad. Um, it's being produced by CBS. However, it's getting shopped around a couple networks, but I don't know where it's going to land. Uh, and Dan Lagana is showrunning. Show I forgot to write down what he did, uh, but he has done some, some things that, that proved to be a pretty good show. But yeah, this is Nicolas Cage's first ever television show, and I think he's a really good choice for Joe Exotic, as much as I kind of feel like they shouldn't do something like this. No one superimposed his face, but with Joe Exotic's, like his mustache, his cap, his mullet, and it's freaky how much it looks they look alike. Mm -hmm. But it's just, wow. They are, people are just jumping on this Tiger King train so hard, and it's God. insane. Ben, the guy who made American Vandal, is making this. Yes. This show is going to be oh, good. This, this show is going to be awesome. So oh, oh, that's man. one of the best documentaries of all time. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that, No, both that, seasons. That just, both, that just shot up for me. Both seasons of American, like the first season of American Metal was great. Season two was phenomenal. Oh, I man. didn't like season two, but man, that first one. No, so watch good. season two. For the love of God, watch season two of American oh, Metal. I'm so excited. This is going to be so awful. Well, I really I hope that, that, oh, man, I really hope that eventually there's a season three of American Metal. But that's beside the point. The fact that this guy is doing a Tiger King show, oh, it's going to be great. That's 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 a good choice. It is going to yeah. be fantastic. It, it's wild that Nicolas Cage has chosen to do this project. It is. It is wild, but also I'm for it. He's a he's a wild dude. He's an Spark exotic Spark. choice. No, look, uh, uh, I think that's fun casting. I don't. I personally don't feel like we need a Tiger King fictional show. It's oh, it's it's going to happen. Obviously, yeah, yeah. that's why we're talking about it in the news. Yeah. But I don't think it needs to be done. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, I still think Joe Exotic looks much more like Michael Keaton, but that's just me. 
but I, I, I didn't say this when I talked about t- watching Tiger King. Um, but Joe Exotic is the most disgusting looking person I've ever met, I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Just his soul is so disgusting. And <laughs> looking at him, I feel like I feel like I can taste the cigarette smell he, he smells like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt so disgusted watching him on screen because of how just of a horrible person he was on the inside and out. So, uh, yeah. And I hope, and I, I say this because I hope that Nicolas Cage can turn down his natural charm so that I feel just as disgusted. There's plenty of Nick Cage movies where he's a he's a disgusting, horrible man. So he can easily do it. Oh, yeah. So, fun fact, I was talking to my brother about this after he finished watching Tiger King because he actually lived in Oklahoma when Joe was running for governor. Jeez. And apparently it's just as crazy as he thought it was. Really? Yep. It's, I was oh. like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, he was legit running for governor and he did, he did stuff. He didn't go to any of the rallies, obviously, because he, he was only there for, he was only there for, uh, for his, uh, for his training. But other than that, it was like, he, he witnessed it firsthand. Um, okay. So we talked a bit about Star Wars up top. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's talk about more Star Wars because May the 4th happen and Disney decides to take the opportunity to announce a bunch of things that I think are kind of cool. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, the next Star Wars movie, you know, there was a, there was rumors that was rumors. Bob Iger but confirmed it was going to be the Dave, the Benioff and Weiss movie. Um, now that they're no longer part of a Star Wars project, um, Taika Waititi, Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder has been hired to write and direct with Christy Wilson Cairns. I'm sorry, Cairns, I think. Um, to co-write, she wrote uh, 1917, the Oscar-winning movie, uh, and has written Last Night in Soho, which is Edgar Wright's newest film coming out oh, uh, later. Good track. Uh, I think, I think this sounds awesome. I think yeah, I hope right. that they I hope that they are awarded the freedom that they deserve to deliver something truly spectacular. Yeah, I uh, see. When Solo was coming out, and we had Lord and Miller, like possibly like. We don't know, but like maybe making like a really comedy at Star Wars movie that they didn't want. This yeah. makes me feel like because they are Taika worked on Mandalorian and he injected some comedy into there. And obviously he's a Disney guy. He's doing Love and Thunder. He's doing another comedy Marvel movie. Marvel movie. Um, I really, I really like for him to do something different. That would be incredible. I, I, I'm, I spat it out. Like I want them to do something crazy with Star Wars. Make a yeah. R-rated horror movie with Star Wars. Do what you do with with every other property. Just do something different with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would really like that. I think it also helps that, you know, Thor Ragnarok showed that Taika is able to tone it down a bit, not to yeah. the point that it's unfamiliar unfamiliar to his tone, but he is able to take like his Jojo Rabbit or Hunt for the Little People tone and make it more blockbusterable, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's, he's what I describe as like the best studio man. He can make a studio movie, but also make it his own. Yeah. Yes. Also, I want to say, because even though he directed the last episode of The Mandalorian, that's one of my favorite. It has one of my favorite comedy bits in that is, which is the two stormtroopers tra- talking about Baby Yoda, and then later on near the end of the episode, you have that really good moment between IG Eleven and the Mandalorian. So for yeah, me, yeah. it's like because it, Taika obviously he directed that, and it's like he can do the funny bits, but he can also do like the, the serious bits that make Star Wars what it is. Like Thor Ragnarok, like Thor Ragnarok oh, yeah. has uh, some good dramatic. I would just I would love a Thor Ragnarok tone Star Wars movie. Oh, and so can do that, and I think that's why the Lord Miller movie didn't work because it just it didn't fit what they were trying to do. But now that you kind of established, you can do kind of comedy in Star Wars. Just make it just not full comedy, just a little more comedy. 
Just yeah. do something different. I just just give me a comedy Star Wars movie, please. Just satisfy me. Sparks, you hate this, don't you? No, I don't hate it. I'm just it. kidding. No. I just I just want to know when it takes place. Yeah. Oh, okay. what we do in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a great show. Um yeah, uh Man, it'd be interesting to know where this takes place. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's good. Um, okay, so the Mandalorian had some news and a leak. Um, so we'll get we'll get to both. Um, Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez announced that they are directing. They have directed episode four of Mandalorian season two. Great. Uh, they join Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rick Fumiyama, and Dave Filoni. I put Dave Filoni twice. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, uh, Deborah Chow is not returning to direct because she's working on uh, Obi Wan. So uh, I I'm really excited to see Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez do a Mandalorian episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean we know Peyton Reed from from the Ant Man movies uh, and like Bring It On. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is a great action director. So oh, yeah. um, yeah. I, um, almost like a Taika Waititi, like he, he he can totally go all over the place, like with comedy and action. Uh, so I'm very excited and happy that he's doing something Star Wars related. Do you know what I want the Taika Waititi movie to be about? No. What? Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn. You think? Oh. Yeah. You think they'll do that? I, I, I don't. But I, that's what I want it to be about. Because think about Taika Waititi directing Darth Maul as a straight man mm-hmm. amongst a bunch all of, of Taika Waititi's kind of characters. God. Yeah, that'd be... Okay. I, I was actually thinking uh, Clone Wars season, the newest Clone Wars episodes made me more interested, made me like really kind of on board with his cameo in Solo. You know how, I was fam- how famous I am. Yeah. I'm not fond of that right. cameo. Yeah. But now having seen the Clone Wars episodes, I'm like, oh, no, you know what? I would be interested to see that thread continue. That's the whole thing is I just want to know more about that whole section of Darth Maul's life. <laughs> Darn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Maul, like, I've said it, like, on Twitter, but Maul is, like, from episode one, just being a bad guy who says one line. He has become like one of the most interesting characters in Star Wars because of the comics and the animated shows. And like we now know his entire life where he ends up, but we yeah. still don't know the small the small little details. And I'm like, I also and, want more. And of I that. think everything about his his position related to Crimson Dawn and everything totally opens it up for exactly the kind of like places you want to explore with Taika Waititi doing it. Yeah. Sure. So that's my pitch. Yeah. Um so more news came out about Mandalorian. Um the biggest thing that broke the internet uh, was that Tamara Morrison has been cast as Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, this is the actor who played Jango Fett, obviously, and the, and the clones, and Attack the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. He is going to play Boba Fett, obviously, it makes sense because he's a clone. Right. Um, this was not supposed to come out. <laughs> Disney did not mean for this to come out, and it was pretty clear as soon as this, as soon as this dropped that this was a leak. Um, I think that there is a leak in Lucasfilm right now because people are working from yeah. home. Yeah. Uh, I am. Uh, I think it was Boba Fett that we saw in that yep. last season. One hundred percent. I am. I am totally cool. I think it's great casting to bring him back. I really wish this could have been a surprise. So do I. I, I but also, I'm. I'm not opposed to them bringing Boba Fett into the series. I think that fits, and I think that I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and I, I especially bringing this, this this actor back. Now, I'm going to throw my wild theory out here. We know Ahsoka is going to be in the show. Let's not dilute. Let's not kid ourselves. They have not confirmed, but it's happening. Yes, I think tomorrow Morrison is playing Captain Rex, mm. and I'm willing to put money down on Boba Fett. Yes, but also Captain Rex. 
I will say the fact that they are willing to have Tamora come back as a clone character, Boba Fett, even if he's Boba Fett, that's a clone. The mm-hmm. fact that they're willing to do that opens up literally any possibility. So like, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine they're going to do Boba and Rex in the in around the same time. That might be too much. But this does open the door for all, that entire squad to come back, possibly. Right. So, so Rex doesn't so, die in Rebels, right? So Rex lives up until Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, but he has a okay. So this is where my crazy theory is coming from. There have been, there are some leaks I didn't put on here. I just wanted to talk about this offhandedly. There are some leaks about the uh, about the Star Wars sequel, Star Wars Rebels sequel show mm-hmm. that has been rumored for a long time. Um, the fear, the 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 leaks. There's a Reddit thread about like some of the, some of the things that could be in the show. Most notably is that Captain Rex's um, accelerated aging is stalled thanks to the Kaminoans. Sabine, Rex, and Ahsoka are some of the main characters. Ezra will, will continue to be in it. Um, Sabine is now rumored to be in Mandalorian season two, and there is a, a wrestler, this blue-haired like wrestler. I forget her name. I'm so sorry, but she's been cast in Mandalorian season two. Oh, yeah. Sasha Banks, I think. Sasha Banks, I yeah. think. Yeah. So people are saying that she could be Sabine. She, she, she would be a good Sabine, actually. So it looks like so it looks like, and I'm again, I'm willing to put money down on this. I'm this confident. It looks like that there is going to be an episode of The Mandalorian, and only one episode, not an entire arc, but only one episode that will serve as a as a backdoor pilot to whatever that Star Wars Rebels sequel series is. Could you oh, could you imagine if they made a Rebels sequel show that wasn't animated? Oh, could you? Well, could you animated. So they're already working on it, so it is animated. Okay, I'm just saying, like, uh, man, if they if they did do a backdoor pilot for live action Rebels, I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. Yeah. But animated, still nice. Uh, so live yeah. action Thrawn. I want live action Thrawn more than life itself. <laughs> so yeah, that's why that's why I'm saying I think he's also going to be Captain Rex. That'd be cool. Yeah. I would. I would. And I, tomorrow, Morrison's age more more accurately reflects. Yeah, I mean, him being Boba Fett—that's cool because I think it was the Sparks who tweeted something about, "Yeah, make Boba Fett finally cool for us to like for for us to like him." Oh, that was you. Oh, that was you. Sorry, Brandon. Let <laughs> Brandon tweeted something that I liked because it's like, "Hey, make Boba Fett cool," because you, I, as you guys know, Boba Fett looks cool, doesn't do squat in the movies. Cosmic Clark says hi. In other words, your favorite kind of character. Right? Right, Ben? You're, right? you're digging at me for Captain Phasma. I know you We're are. We're getting you for Captain Phasma. <laughs> you're, you're, I know you're digging at me for Captain Phasma. I know you are, Sparks. I'm not going to go that way. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. I just thought that was fun. Uh, that was. Season two. If... Look, if the chrome helmet fits, Ben. God damn it, Sparks! <laughs> Mandalorian season two is shaping up to be extremely cool. Um, yeah. One could worry about doing too much fan fiction or like stuff like that, but or fan fiction. Um, fan, fan service. service. Um, yeah. But done right, like, man, this could be really, really cool. I just question what the value is in introducing live-action components of them if it is just for, like, a one-off episode. And then they're going to the animated show. See, that's, it's like, that's why what are, I'm saying. Why are yeah. we doing that? Yeah, that's what I would say. Like, it would feel like it would feel like mean to do a one-off instead of have them just be in the season and then have their animated show still. Yeah. But we'll find out. Man, we got Tamora Morrison. That's cool. That's yeah, I love yeah. that guy. Um, okay, so there's this... I figured that we should talk about these rumors. There were a lot of MCU rumors that came out this week. Um, normally, I would wait until uh, there was a uh, official announcement. I always think that um, I, I always my policy is everything is false until Kevin Feige tells me to tells me himself. Yeah, um, good policy to have. 
but there's there were some there were a lot of rumors and as we always say where the smoke there's fire and so there were so many that I figured that we should probably we should probably discuss them. I love it. Um, so there is rumors that a Ghostwriter project is coming forward from Marvel Studios um, that will not involve Gabriel Luna. Um, now this series this 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 rumor comes from a, a site called the Direct, which is still in its beta. So take that with take that how you will. Uh-oh, what is the no. biggest rate of salt I can find? Oh, it's right over there. Great. Um, Look, uh, sorry, go on. No, I'll, I'll, I'll just say the whole the whole rumor list because it, this is so thin. But um, uh, Ironheart is also rumored to get a uh, Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Um, this comes from a site called The Cinema Spot, which I have never heard of until this week. Yep. Um, Secret Warriors is also rumored for a either movie or a TV series that was not clear. This came from a site called GWW. So okay. we we've heard about Secret Warriors before, yeah. um, as a TV show, but but I, it's been I, almost like I feel like a year since we last even talked about it. But that's been brought up before, so that one might be interesting. Uh, and then Nova. Now this one this one I take, uh, and this one I'll, I'll believe that there was a Nova something in the works. Um, but this comes from a guy's name a guy named Daniel Richmond's Patreon account. Mm. <laughs> so he posted this news on his Patreon account. And said that this is what Marvel Studios is having. All, all these sites all say, we just know that this thing is happening. Of course. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the validity of what these rumors could be, but I want to say, like, of these, if any of them were, were real, which ones would we be most interested in? Ironheart. Or Ironheart? Ironheart, 100%. Yeah. Ghost Rider. I would, I would say Ghost Rider. I would say Ghost Rider is also the more plausible one. Because of the cancellation in Hulu. What's up? Yeah, because of the Hulu, because of the Hulu, thing, the Hulu cancellation, but also I feel that after the the Nick Cage films didn't do so hot, they're looking to, to rebuild the character a little bit. I would say Ghost Rider is more plausible one. However, I would definitely say that Ironheart is definitely a hard second. Wait, to, uh, how did the, how did those films not do so hot? Nick Cage was in fire in them all the time. You know what I mean. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, I, as far as Ghost Rider, Ironheart, and Nova, I think all of them. The answer is duh. Yeah. They're, um, just how far? Every just how far? Every like character's in the belt. They, they, it is an inevitability that Nova will be in the films uh, mm-hmm. in the MCU. It is an inevitability that Ghost Rider will be in it because they canceled all that Hulu shit for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and it's an inevitability, I think, that some form of Ironheart will come to exist. I'd like to believe it's going to be Riri Williams, no matter how passionate some fans are that it should be Morgan Stark. Um, I'd prefer that they not give it to the little white girl uh, instead of the black comic character. Um, I'm saying specifically if you are making Ironheart a character. Um, so uh, I think the idea of a Disney Plus series for Ironheart makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you get like, I think all the Disney Plus series have had at least one MCU mainstay attached to them to carry uh, everything forward. So the mainstay for this one could be Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. which would be lovely. It's a great place to explore more for Don Cheadle's War Machine character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 100% on board for that one. But again, like I said, all of this just feels like a, yeah, eventually, of course, of course, all these things are being made. The MCU well, train is not going down for yeah. the next decade. We're fine. I think that's what we what we always hear. Why we always hear these things isn't necessarily because people are hearing things. 
I think it's because you know so we got this covered. Like we'll throw something, we'll throw something yeah. out there, and if they say, and then we get to say, well, yeah, like, yeah, we did it. Yeah, um, you throw you throw out a thousand MCU characters, one of them's gonna get a movie, and then then all of your rumors are true. Here's what I, mean, shitty I, mean, I talked about. I talked about like a lot of these rumors could just be like someone's secretary of their secretary heard something, heard a, heard their boss say something, and they went to yeah. the news with it. Like they like someone heard from a friend who heard from a friend who heard from someone who works there who's an intern. Heard the heard the word Ironheart come out of an executive's yeah, mouth. Yeah. Like they always see while they're walking opposite ways on the lot, and the next thing you know, it's everywhere on the freaking uh, news news sites. So just right. just going through them again, Ghost Rider is supposed to be a movie, right? Uh, no word on on series or movie. Don't know. Okay, I, hmm. yeah, okay. Ironheart's supposed to be a series. That makes sense yeah. to me. That's a good yeah. way to introduce Riri Williams. Yeah. Just like the others, um, I think that's a smart play. That's how they should do it. Uh, Nova is supposed to be a series? Uh, no word on movie or series. Nova is interesting okay. because are they doing original Nova or are they doing Kid Nova? Because regular Nova, Nova. Re again, regular Nova is big cosmic movie stuff. Kid Nova is also that, but it's it can hang out with the Young Avengers. And that's Nova. what I'm yeah. thinking is like, uh, is is Nova probably should be a series as well. And Secret Warriors, if that were real, would be a film. That's just like, no, Secret Warriors, Secret Warriors is... is teenage defenders and they're all like light lighthearted that's like that screams free for them more than that's anything. what i'm saying is if they do secret warriors what they can do is they can i know it's not the normal lineup but they can that's where how they can bring these characters that they're already talking about like iron heart and kid nova if it's kid nova yeah um and uh what's what's the other one we already know uh who's a kid uh miss marvel sorry yeah miss marvel. marvel that's that's where you can bring them all together and that I think would be a movie after they've all had a Disney Plus series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I think for spectacle, the budget of all their powers being in one place. That's why. I think I think it's important, and one of the reasons why I brought this up is because I think it's important to to just tell the audience that you know these rumors happen a lot of the time because of various various circumstances, and if they are if they are false, they could be like, oh, they passed on this sort of thing. But as Sparks said, every single character in the Marvel universe. Is being talked about mm -hmm. in yeah. board meetings. Um, that is what's happening. There was an interview on IGN with David Hayter, who is the voice of Solid Snake, but he also wrote the X Men movies and he wrote um, Watchmen. Like he's he's a prominent film uh, film thing film uh, screenwriter. Uh, he wrote a 2004 Black Widow script that they were very close to shooting. For the last 20 years of Marvel movies, almost every character has had a movie almost come out in yeah. in some incarnation. Uh, so like. There, every character has a script, whether it's good or not, in in someone's uh, drawer at all times. It's just like, when is it going to get made? Unlike unlike Rob Layfield, I believe that there is a plan. Oh, Rob! <laughs> oh, Rob! My oh, daily reminder that Rob Layfield's an asshole. Anyway, um, it's true. Speaking of Disney Plus series, let's move on. National Treasure. Jared Bruckheimer took the took the uh, opportunity to confirm that a Disney Plus series is in development alongside the long rumored third film. Oh, I was about that because I heard about the show and I'm like, what about that movie though? Yeah. So there is the so the third film will be the old cast. Everyone's coming back. Yay. The series will be a new quote unquote younger cast. Okay. I'm already got it. Don't give it. Don't care. I'm, I'm, just just I'm happy for that film. I just want the third film. Just give me that third film. 
if I like the if I'll I'll see a trailer for the series. If I like it, I'll probably watch it. But just give me that third film. I'm happy. Sounds like uh, that Fast and the Furious animated spinoff show. I'm like, I don't need that for National Treasure. <laughs> no, yeah, because like like I I like the National Treasure movies, but part of that is just liking Nick Cage. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're totally fine. I, I think people, I think this is a classic case of oh, people want National Treasure. It's like no. People want Nick Cage to do another National Treasure. They want Nick Cage discovering artifacts. They want Nick Cage discovering the secrets of the presidency. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Some backwards and stuff, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. uh, Sorry, Ben, you want to say something? No, I was just going to say I want Nick Cage treasure hunting again. That's all I want. Um, So Danny Richmond's Patreon account was rather (laughs) busy this week. Um, as he announced that that Disney is looking at Karen Gillan to head a Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, as the lead pirate. See, I, I I don't trust Danny Richmond's Patreon, but this does sound like something I believe Disney would do. Yes, this <laughs> yeah, sounds... Yeah. The moment I heard this, I'm like, I believe this. Yeah, they love, they love he's a Disney. Is Disney. Karen Gillan gonna play the redhead in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? Because if she it does... No shit. Be- <laughs> Bro, restart that franchise. No I'm shit. Down. Yes, is she gonna be the female Jack Sparrow from the ride? Yes. All Hell right. yeah. I'm down. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've watched that. I've been to that. I think Karen Gillan's ready to, to headline the film. I, I like her a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I, and I I would like more good Pirates of the Caribbean. I want more Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean. If Johnny Depp isn't in it, I would love to come back for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Hundo. That Karen Gillan stars in. Hundo. Mm-hmm. Totally happy with it. It sucks, though, that they destroyed all magic artifacts in the ocean, so there's no more mythology in the oh. sea. Retcon, baby! Dude, just to go 100 years in the future... You just made me sad. You just a hundred years in the future is like nineteen twenty. No, dude, they're like in the sixteen hundreds. What are you talking about? They're in the eighteen hundreds. They are not in the eighteen hundreds. Pirates of the Caribbean films are set in the eighteen hundreds. What? You need to brush up on some history about some pirates, my bro. Need to look at what East India Trading Company. I don't know anything. It, okay, it rides different. Ben, real quickly, Max says, "I'm here waiting for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot spinoff." Yes, us too. Yeah, oh, but yeah. it's early, it's early 1800s. That's it's crazy. very early 1800s. Dang so those people could still use swords, but it's very early 1800s. You have to you have to remember that like part of the linchpin of like at least the third pirates movie is that it's near the end of the time of pirates. I so it's in it's so true. it's in the early 1800s. My memory on those last movies are kind of shaky. No, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, so like, the States, like the United States is like a thing, but they don't do jack shit. Hey, I played Red Dead Redemption where it's the last of the cowboys trying to survive in a new modern world. You can do that with pirates. Yeah. I'm just saying. Do something different, maybe. Pow! Uh, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be into that stuff. Um, you made me very sad, though, remembering the, the MacGuffin of that fifth film. Part, so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the destroy everything. The, the this is why dragons don't exist anymore bullshit excuse ending to Pirates 5. Yes, I, I know. They basically yeah. like, just pretend Pirates 5 doesn't person. exist. Like, I uh, love Javier Bardem. Can we just pretend that doesn't exist? No, we have to acknowledge that it exists. It's just bad. Like the Transformers sequels. <laughs> Muppets Now. This is the new Muppet series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, we have a debut of this summer. Um, that's really all there is. I just thought it was cool that they finally announced when it's coming out. So Yay, Yeah, uh, it's a... I, I really wonder what took them so long because this seemed like it was going to be near launch title when they were originally discussing yeah. things. And I'm like, what the... Heck has caused such long delay on that. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's received well because I want good Muppet stuff. Same yeah. again. I really uh, hope. I really wish they would release a lot of the old stuff around the same time. I'd like all my Muppets then, 
with my Muppets now, please. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I also really hope that they get their act together with the Lizzie McGuire series because Kermit oh. the Frog put up a new version of Rainbow Connection on YouTube. I heard it. And I've listened to it at least 10 times. And it's the most that the new Kermit the Frog actor has sounded like Kermit so far, I think. Yeah. He's yeah. gotten a lot closer to like sounding like a, a strong amalgamation of like our childhood Kermit. And new Kermit. Uh, and, and I was going to say Jim Henson Kermit. Yeah. Original mm -hmm. Kermit. Yeah. I agree, Sparks. I was really because when he first started, you could really hear a difference, and it was like, oh, that's a little weird. Um, so I wanted to put this one in here because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, we had a lot of questions about the Hercules remake uh, last week, and um, Joe Russo took the opportunity to actually answer all of them. Obviously, not our questions, but uh, answer the questions we had. Um, he said in a couple of quotes, he said, I think you always have to bring something new to the table because from our perspective as storytellers, it's not compelling for us to do a literal translation. We've already done, done that with our Marvel films. We don't do literal translations of comics because we feel like if you want that story, you can go read that story. I'm really happy to hear that. that that's they, my they should tell Disney Animation's department that with all their remakes and stuff. They yeah. will by making this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, then he says, we're going to give you a, a different story I think we'll do something that's in the vein of the original and inspired by it, but we also bring some new elements to the table. And you know, that's all I always say about the remakes: just give me something different. Yeah. Um, when asked if it was going to be musical or not, he says we can't say one way or another. Music will certainly be a part of it. Good. <laughs> that means it's too early to really even know. Yeah. yeah. I I just the muses better be important. Yeah. And like still musical. That's the part that I think. Yeah. Like if you don't have him singing "Go the Distance," that's fine. Uh, whatever. Muses are important to Although them. people love that song and also yeah. I won't say I am in love. However, if you don't have them, I think that's fine. But the muses have to sing. Uh, Mag, uh, Sesame Street is not owned by Disney. Nor is Fraggle Rock, actually. I get the, I get the Sesame Street and Muppets mixed up all the time. It's, it's because like Henson mm -hmm. stuff is not all necessarily owned yeah. by because he created the he created the Sesame Street. And I was gonna say Rock. Yeah. yeah, but the Muppet Studio, I don't think owns Sesame Street or Fraggle Rock. Who owns no. Fraggle Rock? No. Uh, I don't know. Fraggle. Because I remember watching Fraggle Rock on Disney Channel when I was like a wee little lad. So they little used little to they used to air on their station, but I don't think they ever owned it. Oh, okay. All I right, don't know for ahead. sure about Fraggle Rock. I do know for sure about Sesame Street. Okay. Um. All right. Anyway. Uh, so some comic book news. Comic book. Uh, sorry for the length of the episode, but like I said, uh, we don't see each other often anymore. So nope. Um, Cosmic Detective is a new comic book series coming from Jeff, Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent, uh, with art by David Rubin. This sounds really cool. Uh, it is about a detective who has to investigate the murder of a god. Yeah, this looks really cool. The preview pages looked cool. Yeah, uh, the Kickstarter is up now, so and it's already reached its goal. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. yeah image publication or something like that. Yeah. Um, Matt Kent had this to say. This, this is the only poll quote I pulled because I thought this was really cool. Cosmic Detective is a crime story that channels Jack Kirby, David Lynch, and Raymond Chandler. It's a story grounded in noir that ultimately becomes absolutely absolutely cosmic bonkers insane. Cool. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, we're all we're all Jeff Lemire fans here, so I'm, I'm already on board. Yeah. Uh, and I figured, you know, uh, if they're channeling David Lynch, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> All right, Marvel had some disappointing news this week. Well, 
Um, they are going to from now. Uh, okay, I will say I cannot get a confirmation if this is a one-time thing or a from now on thing. Um, because most of these are minis, except for one. So they are making some titles digital only. And again, I can't figure out if this is going to be one issue or the rest of the issues. The titles are Ant-Man miniseries. Avengers of the Wastelands miniseries again. Ravenclaw, Raven, Ravenclaw, Jesus, Ravenclaw. <laughs> uh, Star, uh, Marvel Spider-Man: The Black Cat Strikes, which is the uh, adaptation, which is the comic adaptation of the DLC for um, Marvel Spider-Man. The Game Reverse. The Game Reverse, and Hawkeye Freefall. Um, Matthew Rosenbaum, Matthew Rosenberg, Matthew Rosenbaum. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg po posted this whole thing about, uh, about it on Twitter, which I thought was really poignant. Um, the 2020 Ironheart series, which is not out, will debut digital. Uh, and then Ghost Spider is the only ongoing to go from a print to a digital title. So I have Ghost Spider 8. Number 9 will be digital only. So um, I, I, I'm not sure where I saw it, but I'm, I thought it was confirmed that all of these series are all digital only now. That's what I saw. Yes, I saw that too. But then I saw a report saying that this was just for one issue. I, I didn't see that one. I saw that all of these series are ending digitally only. And that would be that would make sense for the minis, especially. But like for things like Ghost Spider, I think it, there's some confusion because Ghost Spider isn't ongoing. It's not a miniseries. It's not due to end anytime. What's weird to me is, um, I don't know if this is a new development, but um, I know Matthew Rosenberg, he wanted Hawkeye not to be a uh, uh, miniseries. He wanted it to be an ongoing. And Ant-Man was, I never heard it was a miniseries. That was just the new Ant-Man book. That should yeah. be an ongoing. So I would not be surprised if those books were were ongoing and now they are considered miniseries. I would be surprised exact, This is my exact fear that I was scared of because I have two issues of Ant-Man and now I can only get three issues digitally. And this pissed, yeah. this, yeah. this is my exact fear. And this is, well, it's, it's, what I, it's what I feel about Ghost Spider. Like I've got, I've got all, I've got everything of Spider-Gwen going yeah. back to her first appearance. And yeah. now, and now, and now, depending on what report you read, either one issue is going to be digital, or the rest of the series will be digital. See, I, I don't think it makes sense to only make one of them digital because then you have one missing issue. I, from what I read, the report I read was I, I agree. From, now on, from now on, it's all digital, and that's all. I agree, and I just, I just want to say that I have read both reports, so I don't know for sure what is going on. But I agree with you, Ryan. I don't, I don't think it makes sense to do that. It's I. Again, yeah, when we talked about this a week or two ago, like this was my exact fear. Like all these small books, they are getting thrown away. They are literally yeah. getting thrown away to digitally. And uh it's the it's a quarantine. There's not a lot we can do, but man, like these are the and exact I, I, I get the sales. For. Exactly. Like the, the sales for these books were not great because they were they coming out during like just before the quarantine, just before the the, the health crisis. So like that impacted the sales of these books, but like come on, guys. Have some faith. And and it's, again, it's not like Ant-Man or Hawkeye are big seller books anyway. So these books are, are literally being sent to die. And I, it, and man, those books are so good too. And they deserve to have at least another volume, at least two volumes. I really like the current Ghost Spider run also. Like I yeah. think that book, now these books will be available in print for trades. Sure. But if you but, only, have, but that's the trades though. And I'm a in the case of Ghost Spider, because this is the only book of this list that I'm reading, but in the case of Ghost Spider, like, I have one through eight. The arc's yeah. not over. Yeah. yeah. And essentially, so, you're buying a, a 20 or $17 book, however much the, those books are, just for one issue. 
yeah, yeah. I'm in the, I mean, I'm in the same boat because I'm I'm on Hawkeye with you. Yeah. And then Megan's getting Ant-Man and Star and, Star yeah. and Ghost Spider. So yeah. she just got the shaft hard on like three of the comics she was picking up and she's only reading like six. Yeah. And they're not even, Brandon, and they're not giving, they're not ever going to release the single issues, right? It's only going no. to trade. That's, that's, that's not, that's no. not fair. That's, that's that not. truly not fair to not just us, but to the creators of those comic books. No, they should, once the crisis is over and comics are in full swing 100%, they should release those issues, single issues. They should. At least they to, uh, like upon order. You don't have to give your yeah. comic like a regular, like a regular new issue, but let your customers order one issue if they want to. Mm-hmm. I just, that's, this is, I am peeved about this. Yeah. I'm very peeved. I, I don't read those Marvel books, but I'm peeved for you guys because that's messed up. Because then if you're buying, because like us, we love buying the physicals, even though we're, we're fighting for space, we love holding the book in our hands. Now, I'm not dissing those who love reading the books digitally, good for you. But for us, like those who have the physical collections, it we're picking an important slot. It is proven that digital collectors are not the same as physical collectors. Yeah, There's they're different. Audience. Yeah, they're different audiences completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I, not like I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fan of buying single issues for the same price as print ones. Yeah. When they come out, I'm not. If I'm spending that much, I want a print copy. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Like you're, otherwise, you're paying for the paper stock. Yeah. Exactly. Why am I buying the same amount? Like, if I could buy the all these issues for two dollars, if yeah, if these were less, half off, then I then I'd be like, okay, even a dollar less. If it went back to two ninety nine, like right. how comics used to be, I would even support that. But the fact that there are still four dollars that I have to uh, spend that much, and I'm not getting a print copy, and I'll never get a print copy of those issues is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ri- it's a ridiculous way to have it set up. At that point, trade waiting becomes the way I want to do it because I want it in print. Oh. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, also, I can't imagine like how hard this is for Marvel to make these decisions too. Like true, they they true. want to be frustrated because I know they want to get all. The what he, I was just scanning through what he said about Matthew Rosenberg talking about it. What he said, and he said, yeah, you know, like this is this sucks. Yeah. Like nobody's happy right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. HBO Max news. Um, HBO Max. Uh, do we know that they were they had a partnership with Crunchyroll? Did we know this beforehand? I yes, we talked about it early on. Okay. Well, they just announced what titles will be available at launch from the Crunchyroll this library. This is this is why we were talking about it is because it, it's going to have Crunchyroll, but it's like a limited access Crunchyroll. It's not like if you have a Crunchyroll account. Sure. Which um, is, is weird, but go ahead. So the titles that are going to be available at launch from, from the Crunchyroll library are going to be Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Re-Zero, Starting Life in Another World, Darkness Cut, In oh, wow. Spectre, Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin, Rony Kenshin, and the yeah. only reason why I know how to pronounce Isaac is because of Sparks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, Ron Kenshin, uh, Kenosuba, God's blessing on this wonderful world. Oh, Kenosuba, okay. Bungo Stray Dogs, Berserk. Oh, hold Ka- on, hold on. Berserk's my favorite anime, and you cannot stream it anywhere legally. It is nowhere available to watch. So HBO Max is my best friend right now. It's isn't it on Crunchyroll right here? Besides Crunchyroll. Okay. I was going to say, like, I'm like, I'm, pr- I'm yes, pretty sorry. sure it's on yeah. Crunchyroll, which uh, is why. No, I know. Be- yes. But I mean, like, I don't have Crunchyroll. <laughs> no, I got you yes. now. Okay. Uh, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. Kill a Kill. Your Life. Your Lie in April. Erased. Kiznaver. Suarez's Markin. Jesus, guys. 91 Days. The Testament of Sister New Devil. Roca Brave. 
Braves of the Six Flowers, and then after launch, two new titles will be included, which is Hunter x Hunter and Death Note. Um, as someone who's watching Hunter Hunter, you don't pronounce okay, the X. Ryan. You don't pronounce the X. Um, while we're discussing some anime-related things, Ben, are you a fan of Inuyasha? Yes, I am. Okay, and I know exactly what you're going to talk about, and I'm for it, and I cannot wait to watch it. Okay, yeah, there's uh, there's word of an Inu- Inuyasha sequel series that going around like, this week. Oh boy, oh mm-hmm. boy, that's too it's good. A, it's about Inuyasha and Kagome's kid. Yes. Oh, it's like Boruto. It is Boruto, but at least we got we're getting this like how many years since the new Russia ended? Yeah, yeah, Boruto should have waited. Uh-huh. I don't it's care like, about Naruto. Naruto the, okay, seriously, Brian, Naruto the enemy ended literally two days later. Here comes Boruto. Kids, I, hey, kids are born in two days in Japan. That's how it works. I'm I'm <laughs> stoked. I'm stoked for Yasha coming back. I'm stoked. Um, yeah, this is a good lineup. You, also. you know what's you know what's weird about Boruto, right, Ben? Uh, no, I like the, like the from the manga standpoint. No, I don't. What's weird about okay, it? Okay, so, so Boruto, yeah, it came up real quick after the anime, but this was about a year after the manga ended. Uh-huh. And Boruto is not written by the guy who wrote Naruto. Boruto is Naruto's uh, son. If you don't know what we're it's, talking about, it's yeah. written by his brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so Kishimoto. Uh, Masashi Kishimoto does not write Boruto. Oh. He finished at Naruto and stopped. It's his brother who's writing Boruto. Oh, I did not know that. More like bro Thank you. Alright, HBO Max I'll let is you also- have that one, Ryan. I'll let you have that one. HBO Max has also announced uh, they have they have um, what's the word? Picked up uh, a, a series called Santa Inc., which is going to be an adult animated Christmas limited series starring Seth Rogen as Santa Claus and Sarah Silverman as Candy Smalls. I'm okay with that. Um, It is written by Alexandra Rushfield, which has done, she's done a couple of things, but not anything of note, I think, within our realm, but I could be wrong. You guys might have seen some of the stuff. Um, The synopsis reads, Santa Inc. is the store, is the store, is the story of Candy Smalls, the highest ranking female elf in the North Pole. When the successor to Santa Claus is poached by Amazon on Christmas Eve, Candy goes, <laughs> Candy goes for her ultimate dream to become the first female Santa Claus in the history of Christmas. That sounds actually okay. That's a that pretty does. good pitch. That's a cool pitch. Yeah, yeah. I never would have thought about that. Actually, <laughs> um, Brandon, I actually do have a question going back to the Crunchyroll being on HBO. Does that mean that, uh, like, because Roroni Kenshin is one of my, obviously it's one of my favorite animes of all time. But is um, HBO Max going to be the only place where I could watch *Born Vacation? Because I know it's still up on Netflix and Hulu as of right now. I have or, no idea. Okay. Ooh. Uh, is the dub available on Netflix yeah. and Hulu? Last time, last time I checked, are, odds, odds are it'll only be the sub that goes to HBO Max. Okay. Because Crunchyroll doesn't usually deal in the dubs anymore. Okay. That, that's not me because I actually I fell in love with the dub when I was a kid when I watched the original on Toonami and that. that's, not me, that's not me saying that I know what will happen with those oh, I'm just God. saying that I don't believe any of the dubs will be coming to HBO Max because of how Crunchyroll tends to operate these days right All right. I, I was just curious I was just curious that's why good to be curious should I get into some trailers yes let's tea talk Adventure Time Distant Lands Beemo finally a real trailer so i didn't know that this was a series of like one hour episodes i thought this was a new series i just not paying attention so when i see this this person that's not finn or jake and i'm like 
what the what is this and then you explain to me oh they're like the futurama uh movies that just get released and i'm like oh they're just like short stories of all different characters got it yeah so i had my mind blown on what this whole show was <laughs> yeah this is bemo in space fighting uh fighting aliens and trying to liberate the world wild i didn't know any uh any jesus uh adventure <laughs> time dealt with aliens Yo, like in season two, they go to the King of Mars, who's Abraham Lincoln. What? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, what? you guys, you gotta watch the show. Oh, hold up, Abraham Lincoln is oddly important. Yeah. Gunther, He's the King of Mars. Gunther is a cosmic entity on the level of Galactus that forgot what it was and became a penguin. <laughs> what? That's Adventure Should Time. The part isn't there a wolf who's a party god? Yes. Uh. Uh, party wolf who's party wolf. just a just a uh, a wolf head with a baseball cap backwards yeah. <laughs> who floats among the clouds with the cloud people that's what i remember <laughs> y'all need to watch this show I, I intend to get back into it i really i think that'll be the next show i watch because i need the i need to start a new show it'll make you feel uh, happy after evangelion that's true <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll make you feel sad sometimes. Yeah. And then you'll feel happy again. And that's it. And then sad. Right. There's like a giant ass dartboard of anime. You could just like close your eyes and toss it and find it. And it's like any of those animes will probably make you feel happier after watching Evangelion. Yeah, it's true. You know what? Evangelion was. I, I mentioned that Evangelion is very horny, and it is. It's a yeah, different. It is horny. horny. It is a different type of horny than I've seen from anime before. It's like real horny. It's like, yeah. it's like uncomfortable horny. It's like these are kids dealing with like their 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 the repressed trauma. sexual energy. It's, yeah. like, it's not like Tenshi Muya horny. No, no, comically like horny. This was like real uncomfortable horniness. Have I got a show for you? It's called Darling in the Franks. Oh no! Oh no! Ryan, speaking <laughs> of speaking of, have I got a show for you? Did you watch Secret Diary of a Call Girl yet? Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Billy Piper. Oh Billy no! Piper I haven't series? watched it yet. No, I haven't. Oh, well, Lord, I'm just saying. I've seen Penny Dreadful. I know what that's like. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so Adventure Time, Piston Lands, Bima. Uh, let's Good get. Lord, Darling, Sparks, you just remind me how hardy Darling of the Franks is. That is damn. Uh, I don't remember if we ever discussed it, but in Darling in the Franks, the way that they have to pilot their mechs is that the guy has to sit behind the girl who's sitting in front of him, doggy style, and they have to sync up. <sighs> Oh, is this horny? No, is this no, no. Horny look, look, look. So this show, the show was made by the same people that made Gurren Lagann Kill a Kill. Yeah. So if Gurren Lagann is an exploration of male sexuality and yeah. Kill a Kill is an exploration of female sexuality, then Darling in the Franks is an exploration of coming of age sexuality. Ooh. Because there's a whole thing about the fact that their society is built around guy and girl needed to combine in order to operate their mechs. And one of the girls is attracted to another girl. Uh -oh, so she can't uh -oh. operate her mech properly. Oh. So it's it's actually really well thought out, but like they're hard on the nose about the visual metaphor. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh okay, Space Force. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a new, new series from the creator of the office, I wanna mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Uh this is good. This was really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. Um I we have to remember this is a real thing and they're making fun of it because oh, it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, we I don't know I don't know how much actual space force um, knowledge is out there but if it's anything like this oh my god we're dudes. Is that still I just, I just the really like the military? Yes. They just got the patches last month. Anyway, yeah, I, just really like, I really like when the, when they're just like uh <laughs> by the way uh <laughs> 
I like Sparks' explanation for how Space Force happened, which was someone told the president that aliens exist, and he immediately went and said, okay, we need to make a Space Force. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, this is how we know aliens are real. This is how we know, because Trump freaked out and told the world by creating Space Force. You guys Why else that- do we need to militarize space? Anyway. Um, Wasn't like two weeks ago that the that the Pentagon released like a whole bunch of unclassified videos of UFOs? Yes, yes, yes. Those, but those are fair. those are years old, but they are officially released. They're from 2015. They're un, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's unidentified flying objects. Yeah, the, doesn't mean aliens. The important part is that the Pentagon blatantly said, "We still to this day do not know what these are." Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so Space Force. One of the things I really like about the about the the trailer for this was just like. We need to make a space force, though. So you know, you figure out how to make that happen. It's like, uh, what? How? How? <laughs> like, I really just like figure out how to make space force happen. It's just, just like I have no There's, idea. It's like the beginning of it. Um, like Steve Carell sits down, like he's this big general, and then yeah, the other yeah, he became a high-ranking uh, officer in the Air Force. Yeah, uh, and he sits down, and then there's like the major general is like, "We need to militarize space," and Steve Carell starts laughing. And then the guy's like, you need to do it. And he's like, oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I really hope the whole show is just like them trying to make up things that they're doing I, all, to impress yes. the president want, and make him think the program is functioning. I want incompetence the entire way through, but make it seem like it's real, just like how our actual government works. Because then that'd be fantastic and true to life, also be really funny. Yeah. Um, okay, The Last of Us Part 2 had a, had a new trailer. Nope, we're not talking about it. I didn't watch okay. it. No spoilers. Uh, and uh, Ryan, I only put this on here if you if you wanted to talk about it. But the Mortal Kombat 11 aftermath trailer did no, drop. Well, we're not going to talk about the trailer, right. but I can talk about the stuff that's in it. Sure. Like, it is still an expansion. So, but this is the first time Mortal Kombat's had a story expansion. So it is taking place directly after the end of the game. Um, but they are adding Robocop. They're adding Fujin, who is like Raiden, but he's the god of the air. And they're adding Shiva, who is Lady Goro. You've seen her in MK9. Oh. Um, so they're also adding some more stages. They're adding stage fatalities from the original Mortal Kombat games. That's really fun. They're adding friendships where instead of killing your friends, you can make them stakes or you can like have a dance battle with them. It's like, like it's fun fatalities. Um, but like for me, honestly, the really cool stuff is the story stuff and where they're going with that because Shang Tsung was one of the DLC characters from the last expansion. Um, and it's the original actor from the movie. So they got him, and he, he does all the lines, but everyone was like, wow, you guys put a lot of effort into putting Shang Tsung in this game, and he's not even really in the game. It's because he's one of the main characters in the expansion, and it's that yeah. actor doing all the lines, and they released it like a one-minute clip of the story, and it looks so good, and it's Shang Tsung being Shang Tsung, and I'm like, this is great. I'm so excited. I can't wait for us to finally get there, whenever we get there because of quarantine, but um, I'm so stoked for more Mortal Kombat. That game's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Uh, Batal. A new Netflix Blumhouse India joint. Um, yeah. I I stumbled upon this by accident, but I thought this looked really cool. Yeah, this, uh, uh, Indian zombie TV series. Yeah, um, I looked it up. It's it's described. It's called a web show. So it's it's it started as an Indian like internet show that they're putting on Netflix. But the production yeah. value looks pretty high for a web show. Yeah, it looks really. Actually, it, they could be hiding the production value in shadows, which is a. Yeah. a common uh technique um i thought this looked really interesting the idea that there's these zombies that you know they're not they're kind of almost like vampires they're not really decaying but they're these ancient zombies that have been locked away in this mountain and then they're freed and then they can they can kind of talk 
also that there's there's ascensions there and that there's there's a, there's like this whole thing like he is coming he is hungry uh i'm very curious for the series i'm actually really interested yeah i am too um yeah like uh again like my whole thing like nowadays is like i want to see something different that i haven't seen before so seeing an indian perspective of like a a mystical type of zombie um seems very interesting and if it's a web show then you know you can you can you can knock it out pretty pretty quickly probably yeah, yeah. actually because i saw this trailer i was like wow this is I, I'm interested in this because I got like some like creepy cult in the mountains that no one really talked about. Uh, how like, we got, you also got the zombies. You got it looks like a really well done. Um, it, it just looks good. It looks creepy. It's got a lot of action in it. And it's like I'm into this. I'm probably gonna give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I just found out that the Snowpiercer TV series is the prequel to the movie. Just I, I I always kind of figured it would be. I thought it wasn't going to be tied to the movie at all. I thought it was a retelling because apparently, just... apparently Bong Joon Ho has an MCU style timeline for Snowpiercer. I'm going to have to look this up, Bong, because I didn't expect this from you. I have I seen it. You. I have seen the timeline. It's it's rather engaging. I'm, I, I, I mean, I feel like it makes sense because of how long the train was going around before the movie events yeah. happened. It's like, yeah, I it could... just I just I just didn't assume because it's a South Korean American made movie. I didn't think that this TNT television show would be a prequel to that. Is what sure. I, mean. I I guess what I mean is I never expected the show to go through the beat of the film to the point where we see someone get to the front of the train. Mm -hmm. And since I don't expect to see that, it totally, regardless, could take place in the past yeah. of, the, I just of, thought, the, of the film. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be like a purge situation where it would be like the, the situation spent over like eight weeks instead of two hours. You know what I mean? Like it would take, we'd watch it for eight weeks instead of two hours. Sure. I thought it would Well, be I, mean, the, the series... I mean, also the, the purge shows also exist in the films. No, I know. I'm saying I thought this was going to be a <laughs> no, reason. The series is like, I think, 100 years before the movie. Hot dog. We'll I have to look at the timeline again. I'll send it to you if I, if I run into it again. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Um, Medium, a new video game uh, from, for, the, for the new Xbox generation. We're, we're now in the Xbox portion. Can we actually... Because we have a lot Can of... Can we finish the movies? Yeah, let's finish all the, the movies because there, there's a lot of video games and then one more movie. It's Becky. Uh, oh, yeah. We have two. two okay, okay. Uh, so we'll do The King of Staten Island. Yeah, The King of Staten Island is a new comedy from Judd Apatow. Uh, starring Pete Davidson from SNL. Uh, this looks like another great Judd Apatow movie, combining comedy with real emotion. And if you guys don't know, Pete Davidson did lose his dad in 9-11. He does have a tattoo about his dad's death. And like all of this is based in true facts. 100% of it's based in true facts. Uh, and that's what Judd Apatow does, does great. Like uh, uh, Knocked Up or, or uh, Funny People of Adam Sandler. He takes real uh, emotional situations and brings comedy into it. So um, I'm very excited for this. I think it looks, I think it looks great. I think for many years, I've gotten Judd Apatow and Paul Fig in the same place in my head on accident. I did not do it on purpose. They make because, similar movies, to be fair. Because when I saw this, when I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, Judd Apatow. I don't really like Judd Apatow. But then I watched them like, oh, this looks pretty good. And, and then Ben was telling me all the movies that he liked of Judd Apatow. I'm like, I like those movies too. Yeah, 40 Old Virgin. Not yeah, I think, I think you were accidentally putting those two men together. Yeah, I think they so. Share, they share casts a lot. They're like in the same, they're in the same like friend group kind of. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this looks good. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think this was supposed to be a theatrical release, but now it's going VOD. Yeah. Um, much like a lot of things. Much like everything, yeah. Um, Becky. I'm actually really excited for Becky. I would really like to see this because you don't you don't normally see Kevin James in a villain role. 
at all. You never see Kevin James in a villain role. I was going to ask you guys, what what was the last time Kevin James played a bad guy? Or even, was he in a serious movie ever? Like a movie that wasn't a comedy? I, I want to say that he was, but I it wasn't a horror movie. I want to say like I'm, I'm I feel like he's done a drama. He did a movie where he did like a boxing movie where it's like a dramedy, um, but it's more comedy. But it wasn't like an Adam Sandler movie. He played the president in Pixels. You're right. That, and I like that right. movie, but mm, no, that Oscar <laughs> nominated. No. no, this looks this looks really good. I, I didn't know it was Kevin James until. Yeah, when that when that came across uh, my way this week, I was like, "Oh, we're talking about this. This mm-hmm. is wild." Yeah. He's playing a, a, a neo Nazi mm-hmm. villain. What? And like then hunting for treasure, maybe. And then I and then I also like the aspect of like uh, the the girl where it's like, it, as you said, it's kind of Home Alone esque. It's like, yeah, it's Home Alone. If she was like gonna freaking murder, yeah, them. it's murder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, whenever you're like a big comedian, like it always eventually happens where you make like a drama or do something to change your to change your uh, avenue. But I haven't seen Kevin James do that for 20 years, so I really feel like this is the first time where I'm seeing him. Like, oh, Kevin, you're trying something. Yeah. Uh, you're trying. I appreciate like, you. Uh, every Kevin James movie I can think of, he's always some like goofy guy. Like he's in blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah, he's kind of like that. But this time it's like I'm actually afraid of Kevin James. Like I'm scared of him in this. Seeing this. The little snippets that in this trailer, like when him putting the gun to that one lady's uh, knee, like he's gonna blow her kneecap off. It's like I'm terrified of him now. This is like yeah. where he's talking about how oh you don't mix races like that. This is he's a pure blood Rottweiler, and then just you see the like oh shit he's a neo Nazi. This is his uh, uncut gems, but Adam. Yeah, that's what Brandon said earlier. When I saw when I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, Joel McHale might be it's not the only actor in this that I, that I recognize. That's cool. I like Joel McHale. And then yeah. like out of card, Kevin James, like what? <laughs> same, the same King of Queens. Uh, yeah, that was wild. That looks good. I'm looking forward to it. As a fan of Kevin James, when he's when he's like putting good effort in. Uh, I'm excited for yeah. him to be doing something like this. I watched the King of Queens. I like that show. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think I think there's been a lot of things where Kevin James has had opportunity to, to like really be entertaining and, and like be comedic of his own merits. And then there's times where like he's doing something just for fun and co- yeah. goofing around, usually with Adam Sandler or something. Yeah. But uh, but like the the immediate example that always comes to mind to me is Hitch. Yeah, Hitch which is I think good. he's oh. really well balanced in. I love. He's not over the line goofy, but he is funny and he's like a yeah. sympathetic like every he's man. He's very sympathetic yeah. every man. Yeah, Hitch is good. Yeah, like that scene when he chucks the inhaler and he finally goes up to that girl and he finally gets Yeah, exactly. I remember her name. It's Allegra because it's a weird name. All right, now the Xbox Series X situation. Yes, so there was this was the first unveiling of of gameplay, quote unquote gameplay for the Xbox Series X. Uh, this is basically a pre E three for Xbox. Um, you notice all the games we're going to talk about. None of them are big, ex- and like you know, none of these are Halos or anything because they are still going to do an E three conference uh, in a, in a couple months, their own version of an E three conference. This was just kind of like a, a pre taping. Here's here's a sizzle. Uh, the problem is the sizzle. Uh, it wasn't a good sizzle. I don't think. I think it was a pretty bad sizzle. <laughs> There's also uh, just real quick, like there has been. An, uh, I I did see some articles. We were we were talking about this a bit in the car. There were articles talking about like how far can you push being able to actually display good graphic design on a new console at this point in comparison to what you have without actually doing like side by side comparison slow motion imagery. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a fair point to, that makes it hard to judge the uh, difference between consoles. And also, there's been a lot of talk lately about how even though the PS5 and Xbox Series X are set to come out this year, the games that are meant to launch with them might not all make it. 
because of the coronavirus and that there's a lot of things that are probably being held back right now as far as marketing because of that. Like the big games. Um, So let's let's get into our into the games and we'll talk about them uh, uh, as as we go. All right. So there's Medium, which is the uh, a new game about a a girl who's getting visions of a child. Yes. Uh, uh, A theme in all of these trailers is um, we don't know what's happening in a lot of them. Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell's happening in this medium trailer. It's a CG trailer. This is, this doesn't look like a gameplay trailer. Mm-hmm. And the, the big problem that a lot of people had with this conference is this: they were toting it as this is what the next generation of gameplay is going to look at. You guys watch all these trailers. How much gameplay did you think you actually saw there? Not a it's, lot. It's not a lot. Like uh, the only the only trailer for gameplay that I thought I saw was I want to say the the um, game after medium on the list. Yeah, the, the first person shooter. Yeah, the shooter one with the sword. That's the only medium. time I thought, okay, this is gameplay. Yeah, uh, medium. Um, it's it's hard to tell what that game is about. It's still too early. It's Keanu Reeves, Constantine. It looks like Constantine, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's like the world gets turned into like almost like a Silent Hill, like uh, apocalypse. Orangey, orangey apocalypse. Yeah. It's just yeah. a CG trailer. It's not a lot to go off of. Uh, yeah. Um, Scorn. This is the one that actually I'm I'm a little interested in. This it's is. Uh, this is inspired by H.R. Geiger. Um, clearly, very yeah. clearly. And they, uh, they, they basically said that this is the, you get thrown into a living alien world inspired by H.R. Geiger. And I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that looks really solid. I think they, they translated that design really well. And I immediately, first frame, I was like, that's H.R. Geiger. Yeah, yeah. H.R. Geiger, but very, but even hornier. Yeah, it looks yeah. like <laughs> a... people, like people, like dead things Let me having just, sex. Oh, uh, yeah, drip. drip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I the seeing this type of trailer and like what the game or what the uh, the game seems to be about. I want to imagine it's like it's a Jedi Fallen Order or Dark Souls esque type of game where it's like hard combat in this world. Mm-hmm. But that's just me speculating because uh, what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the game could really be, but I think it looks awesome. It's definitely the best looking game from it this. It looks creepy. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's an HR, HR character design. So, obviously, the aesthetics look great and it also looks just like bleh. But once again, I don't know what's going to happen. Play this one, ben. What? We're going to make you play this one. Hmm. This game also has been in the works for a long time. Um, and then I think like it's going to finally finally premiere on, on the new Xbox. But it's been in development for five years oh wow okay um so the, the, the next one is the one that you guys are saying i uh, showed the most gameplay this is um bright memory infinite this is yes, the first person computer yeah uh, this, this was made by one person yeah really wow i didn't know that yeah. they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chinese developer he's been he's been much like scorn he's been working on this game by himself <laughs> for years years and years and years and then when they were started to make a new xbox he's like hey do you would you like to premiere it on xbox and we can help you and stuff so uh, this looks like a, a Call of Duty samurai game. Yeah. <laughs> it's got really and it's got like a, like a whip attack. Yeah. yeah. The game's really good. One of my things that I was talking to Brandon about this earlier when I saw it, that I like about this trailer is how, because I was noticing while I was playing Final Fantasy VII, is that that world incorporates both swords and guns. Mm-hmm. Like even though a sword in the world of guns, swords are obsolete, but the way that the the protagonist for Beyond Memory Infinite is just like whipping by, shooting, and then takes a sword out and finishes an enemy off is like I like that. I like how it's a combination of both first person FPS action and there's a sword fight. Yeah, uh, it's combining a lot a lot of different types of gameplay in the one. Um, mm-hmm. Let's hope uh, that it, it it combines all into a full good game and story. And stuff. Yeah. 
So that one I'm looking forward to the most, I think. I think this one, uh, we get, and I think this is all in game engine, um, gameplay engine, but this was mostly a CG trailer, uh, called The Sea. Yes. yes. This is a really stylized one. Yeah, this one, it was in game engine, but also, like, it, it, it doesn't scream next gen to me. Like, yeah. Like uh, every game I played, like like God of War looks good. Like, and this is not me disparaging the games, but like when you're when you're showing the next generation of gameplay, I'm expecting something a little better. Right. Call Call of Duty feels like more like one of the indie titles, yeah, it's, which it, is yeah, fine. Yeah. Like that that appeals to a market. Yeah. Um. Like I like the I like what it looks like. Yeah. I'm like that seems like a game I would play. But for sure, it's not something you usually see at a conference yeah. like this. But when you go again. Oh, because for Call of the Sea, it looks like that game could be played easily on a, a Switch or a PS4 or an Xbox One right as of now. Yeah. Just, just from the design, just from like the graphic, what it looks like. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the art design. I love how it's a period piece game. But this, but touting this game is like, oh, this is what the next gen is going to look like. I, like, I could play, probably play this on my Switch right now. And the problem you have there is, um, Again, not just because it's coming out on a next gen system doesn't mean it needs to look like the next Call of Duty, right? You're right, you're right. But when when Xbox marketing itself saying we are going to show you what the next generation of video games look like, and then this is what you show us, it's not that any of these games look bad or are, are going to be bad. It's just you're you're giving us an idea of of we should have lowered our expectations possibly. Yeah, like looking at the visuals from the last four games, like the last three games that we talked about, those visuals, yeah, that's next gen. That's like that's way beyond what my consequence to today. And then you get out and then you get no, the and no, it's not. It is definitely not. It's not <laughs> then look at God of War. God of War is the best looking game like ever made. That works. Wait, have you started Final Fantasy Seven? Not yet. Well, okay. even even I recognize that games like Final Fantasy Seven, God of War, uh look about on at least on the same level as a lot of these games yeah also a lot of these games are still in development so god of war and like final fantasy 7 those are games that are done and have been worked on for five years whereas <laughs> these games are still in development yeah um okay chorus this is another game that showed us uh showed us some gameplay this is the flying space. one space yeah this one. is a space flight game i'm actually very into this one i love space combat games i know you you like space combat games too um uh this looks like a lot of fun um, I'm more curious about what the story is because it almost seems like you might be uh, a bad guy. Like you might yeah, be doing something bad. Of, yeah. um, and then might you might like you don't know you're a bad guy and you would become a good guy. Um, but like I like the look of it a lot. I love how fluid the combat and uh, flying looks. Yeah. How I'm I, like yeah. Yeah. I told I told Ryan that I really badly want a flying game that that I like playing as much as I like shooting in Destiny. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. Second Extinction Reclaim Earth. This is the last one we have. This is the last yeah. trailer. Oh, we, did, we do get some gameplay in this one, but what that I like about this game, it reminds me a lot of Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Yes, everyone thought it was Turok until it wasn't. <laughs> um, I was kind of hoping it was Turok. I was hoping it would be pop up. I was like, surprise, we're really Turok. Yeah. Um, this was also a game that you can clearly tell it's still early in development because 99% of the gameplay was, was Velociraptors, and then the last yeah. shot is a T-Rex very quickly. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. a game that it's probably not coming out this year, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, I want also more dinosaur shooting games. Give me more Turok's. Yeah. I was those... watching a video on Turok Dinosaur Hunter. I was like, man, they should really bring Turok back. I know they re-released the old N64 oh, game for the Switch, but there should be more Turok. Yeah, I'm that's Turok. Valiant. I, I know if he's owned by Valiant, but I want more Turok okay. video games. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Valiant owns the Turok license, so in order to make more video games, Valiant has to be like, we want to go back into video games. Yeah, you're right. Now everyone wants to kill dinosaurs. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it for the news. I have one trailer that we didn't talk about, but this is just for me. There was a uh, there's a sequel to a game called Vampire: The Masquerade: Two Bloodlines, and that is the first one is a cult classic RPG vampire game where you it's a it's a, you do quests and you turn people into vampires, blah blah blah. But um, the trailer for this game was very very fun and interesting, and um, it just shows the world of vampires and it has like a cool like Frank Sinatra song and just vampires being sassy and killing fools. Um, and it's just it's very cool to see this game finally get a sequel after like 25, 20 years. Um, that that's cool. Classic is getting uh, like a resurgence, so I'm very excited about that. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk. Let's get into our main topics. Uh, topics with an S. So we're going to do a round robin. This is basically what we do when we can't figure out what to talk about for a half hour. Um, so let's get into it. Who wants to go first? Let's all not. Let's all. Okay. Ah, you too, Bernice. Okay, this is fine because I actually have a Star Wars topic. Uh, so we'll oh, okay. I thought we were done. <laughs> we're done with Rise of Skywalker. Made a tenth. Um, okay, so I've been really into the Clone Wars uh, for a long time. The prequel era is my favorite era of the of the entire Star Wars saga. Um, and like I said, I read a I read a comic book called The Son of Dothamir, um, and I just recently bought a book called Dark Disciple. So I wanted to talk about. Um, stories that didn't happen in the clone wars and i want to talk I want to basically just tell you guys about all the all the stories that were storyboarded and animatic and animatic and uh, uh dubbed and then didn't happen because of the cancellation of the of the series in 2013. um so obviously we know there were thir- so there are 13 stories that didn't happen for um upon its cancellation in 2013. So 13 stories didn't happen. Um, the Son of Dathomir, Dark Disciple, both those stories um, did happen in other forms. Um, there was also, sorry, my, my girlfriend is taking the dog out because she needs to go to the bathroom. That's what you get on the live shows here. Uh, animals going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, um, so obviously then there's, then there's a couple more. So basically five of the stories that didn't happen for Clone Wars ended up happening eventually. Season seven is three of them, and then the two happen. So there is a story um, called Crystal Crisis on Utapau that never happened, but you can find the animatics online because they had it dubbed and they were ready to go. And then the cancellation by Disney because the series was produced by Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can find it also on the, on the theory. So, but the big ones obviously were the Bad Batch, Ahsoka's Walkabout, and the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, all three of those stories became season seven. And because right. they were so far along in the production that they were able to just finish them, just get them done. So Bad Batch um, existed as an animatic. Guys, these were ready to go. Like Clone Wars was so ahead of themselves. They had season seven when they were canceled at season five. They were ready to go with a seven season. They were always supposed to end at seven season. They were always supposed to end with the Siege of Mandalore. Things have changed in the interim. The Siege of Mandalore changed slightly, but not. But what we had, what we had, was basically the the what was what was supposed to be. The Dark Disciple, obviously. Um, there was going to be a bounty hunter arc, um, which was going to uh, have Boba Fett and Cad Bane um, going to, going on a rescue mission. Um, to teenage fight. Boba Fett. Teenage Boba Fett, who has been on Clone Wars, who was on Clone Wars, voiced yeah. by the kid who plays him in. Uh, I, I watched the manga. Yeah, I um, wish we got more Cad Bane. He's so cool. I yeah. love that. Me too. I like Cad Bane. But right, so Ahsoka's walkabout. Um, that was the that was actually changed 
the, the Martez sisters were not originally in Ahsoka's walkabout. It was supposed to be a guy, and they split them up into two. It was always supposed to be 13, 13. But that was supposed to be a season, season six story. Um, and Clone Wars, if you guys know, Clone Wars bounced around the timeline a lot. There was It wasn't a linear story for the most part. Um, but the interesting ones that I wanted to really touch on were a Kashyyyk story. It's going to be about four episodes. This, this exists as storyboards only. But it was going to be Yoda and talk about how Yoda has good relations with the Wookiees. Um, and so he go, so Yoda goes to Kashyyyk to help Tarkal and Chewbacca during the, during the Separatist attack. Uh, and it talks about how the Wookiees have an almost force-like connection to their forest. They don't necessarily tap into the forest, but they worship the forest in similar way as the forest. They talk to the forest. They live in harmony with the forest. And they talk about um, and so Chewbacca is going to be in it, obviously, because, you know, Chewbacca is the most famous thing. Uh, some, some of these stories did end up in other, in other things. Like, we saw a little bit of it in Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I was about to say, because the Wookiees, the way the Wookiees, uh, they don't worship, well, the way they respect the forest and how the Empire is obviously destroying the forest, you definitely see that quite a bit in Fallen Order. Yeah, um, we don't get a lot of it in the Fallen Order, <clears throat> in the Fallen Order video game, I think, because they're waiting for the sequel. Ooh, real quick. Um, before, with May the 4th, there was a Jedi Fallen Order um, update, a free update that includes New Game Plus. It includes a red uh, Inquisitor Blade lightsaber and also an Inquisitor outfit for Cal. Oh, uh, I didn't know about New Game Plus. I'm totally going to do that. I, oh, yeah, New Game Plus. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. I will. You know what? I, I might do that, too. I could yeah. re-upload re uh, Fallen Order, maybe. Yeah. It's a cool outfit, man. I would do it for New Game Plus. Yeah. You can't re-upload that right now. You know you can't. Oh, I know. Okay. I, I wasn't saying now. <laughs> I wasn't saying now. I'm thinking eventually, um, maybe. Who knows? This quote from Pablo Hidalgo about this about this arc says, some of George's earliest notes really talk about the way the Wookiees commune with the trees. And if you find this is another thing that we do, we've got all of these old interviews George did back in 77 where he was basically speaking in the voice of the characters to someone at Lucas licensing at the time, giving them... Uh, the sort of information they need about the backstories. There's one where he goes on and on about Kashyyyk, and it talks about their ability to commune with nature, and it's almost force-like, their, their sensitivity to what the trees are like. I love the idea that even in 77, he talked about Kashyyyk and the Wookiees. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's, that's cool about George, man. Like, uh, he had a lot of these ideas for decades before they were ever in implemented. There's yeah. always a brain. Like, like all of us creative people, we have shit in our brains that will take years to eventually get out. Yeah. Um, there was a, the, they call it Rex and R2 Top Gun, where Rex and, Rex and R2 go on a mission together. It's just uh, Rex and R2. I need that one. That yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Um, so this one's probably going to be, and progressively they get, I think, a lot better. Um, this one, I didn't care until I read it. Um, those of you familiar with the expanded universe know about the Uzon Bong, or the Uzon, yeah. um, probably the stupidest retcon in the entire franchise. Um, are they the reason that the emperor is actually a good guy? Yes. Right. And then, so, yeah, the emperor's actual plan was to save the universe from the Uzay Bong. That's why he did all of this, all this evil stuff. Yes. And it's, really it's really dumb. However, Clone Wars was going to repurpose the Uzon Bong. They were not going to be mentioned by name, however, but by design that people would have recognized them. Um, it was going to be an X-Files story set in the Clone Wars dealing with alien invasions because the Yuuzhan Vong wanted to, wanted to study the Republic. So it was just going to be this two-episode arc where Anakin and Obi-Wan had to solve this alien invasion and find this species that may or may not be from a different galaxy. 
And it's supposed to be kind of like, you know, much of the same way that Dave Filoni did the Godzilla story with the with the Zillow Beast. Um, with the Zillow Beast arc. It was going to be a little bit like that. And I kind of really regret that we never got that. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, there's go- there was going to be an arc called The Return to the Jedi Temple. This is the fabled arc where a Sith temple is discovered underneath Coruscant. Oh. A Jedi temple was built on top of a Sith temple. Isn't that is that canon? That is it is still canon. It is still okay. canon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this was going to be where it started. This is where the idea came from. Uh, Ahsoka would come to Obi Wan and Anakin, and they would all go together down to the Sith temple. Um, and uh, they are so the, the arc would also have featured Darth Sidious trying to break into the holocron vault at the Jedi temple, but Ahsoka would hinder his process, his his, his progress. Um, so there was going to be there. There would be giant skeleton kaiju down there. Ahsoka discovers a threat uh, to the underworld of Coruscant and makes her way back to the Jedi uh, order to warn them. Like I thought, I think that sounds awesome. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, even though these arcs never really happened, a lot of the story group considers them canon. Considers that they did happen. They can even if they find that old Sith temple, they could like incorporate any of the old Republic stuff that they want to there too. Yeah. That they've been doing with the new movies. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, there was an arc called Return to Mon to Moncala. Um, which I, I won't touch on the Siege of Mandalore, obviously. Um, but I, I think that the, that this was kind of this was really cool that they had these kind of. I didn't say all of them. I didn't. I didn't feel like saying all of them. But I think it's really interesting that they had all these stories so far in development before their cancellation. And when Disney was like, okay, we'll finally bring back the seventh season, they basically had to be like, okay, which ones do we pick? Yeah. Because they only, because obviously Siege of Mandalore, Ahsoka's Walkabout and Bad Batch were done, but so were all these others. Yeah. And this is why I say like, maybe I don't necessarily need them to bring back Clone Wars Lost Missions to do these arcs again, but for these arcs to find their way in other Star Wars stories, I think would be really cool, especially that use Mumbong one and those stuff with Sheik. I think that stuff is really interesting. And well, it would have really helped the canon. I would yeah. really like to see the episode of where Ahsoka discovers that Sith temple. Yeah, yeah. that too. I don't... Uh, in canon, do we ever really see a Sith temple? Um, the In Rebels, there's a Sith temple. Oh, okay, uh, that's, I'm, not far, I'm not far enough in Rebels then. Yeah. But, but still, because you obviously you know Jedi temples, like the city of Jeddah, that was an uh, old Jedi city. You see a bunch of Jedi stuff, but so, you yeah. don't see the Sith stuff. We just always uh, sit with the bad guys. Yeah, uh, so Ben, mm-hmm. um, even though it's not technically canon anymore, the KOTOR games, one of oh, them yeah, is yeah. you go and infiltrate a Sith Academy, and if you play as a bad guy, you can become like basically like a Sith Lord. And yeah. you're... And it, it's like temples are like just like as many as Jedi temples. Like they, yeah, I, I figured in the, in the like Kotor, Nazi Little Republic, the in most, there obviously there's this stuff in there. But I was yeah. talking about like canon stuff, stuff that's like official. Yeah, I mean, like, even if it's not canon, we take place in a time period where there are no more Sith, so Sith temples aren't a thing anymore. Is yeah. what I mean. But like well, they, they are from the past, whether it's canon or not. That's what this. That's what that arc would have talked about. Would be the idea that basically the Jedi tried to erase the Sith from existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day, look, the Sith, Emperor Palpatine says it, like, once more, the Sith shall rule the galaxy. The Sith ruled the galaxy at one point, and then they didn't. Yeah. And then they were gone for a thousand generations, and they're just two existed for a thousand generations. The Sith have been extinct for a kooky and ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's, it, it was always kind of interesting. Uh, I think those arcs especially, the ones I mentioned, would have been, would have been... I think Clone Wars does a lot of it anyway, but I think there would have been some really interesting additions to canon. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. They should have uh, they should have just brought Clone Wars back for up to ten seasons each season, up to twelve episodes. Just done yeah. it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I what you got to lose, Disney Plus. Yeah, I definitely would have liked the, the Uze Vong stuff. Um, yeah, don't do it the Emperor way, like how they did in Legends, but like have it be this threat from beyond the Outer Rim, beyond any and anything that we know of recorded uh, Republic history or whatever, and be like, what do we do when there's this threat that that it's against the Sith, it's against the Jedi, it's against everybody? Uh, that could add a cool wrinkle to the story. Yeah, yeah. I think there's the long ones. Yeah, that one was, was when I first read that, I was like, oh man, we almost got that. Also, Top Gun with Rex sounds super cool. I know, I would love to see more, I would love to see more of Rex, yeah. uh, especially Rex and R2 together. It's just a fun pairing that you don't really think about. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought I'd, I would share with you guys, like, even if even if they don't end up making more Clone Wars, because I know there's kind of like this talk, like the people in, in, involved in the creation were like, if, they, if it does well, it's possible they'll let us do more. But even if they, if they don't, I would like some of these stories to exist in other mediums, like Son of Dathomir and Dark Disciple. They could very craftily just put seasons in between season six and seven because they generally call season seven the final season. That doesn't they mean could it just keep calling it that season. and yeah. just be like, boop, 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 boop. That's true. Like, yeah, the lost season. And you could put that literally anywhere. Yeah. Season six isn't technically called season six. It's called Clone Wars The Lost Missions. Yeah. They could just do that again. Yeah. They could. They totally could. Yeah. Anyway, that's my topic. I just told you it was short. I thought it, I thought it was just a fun little yeah. day, guys. Uh, it's cool to hear. Um, uh, yeah, I like. Uh, I would like all those to be real. There's Maybe a lot of cool Star Wars stuff. Yeah, whether it's in the comics or the show or whatever, that sounds all cool to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, who else wants to go? I'll, I'll go because I I put a lot of effort into mine. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about it's something I talked about on the podcast is character evolutions, and um, we actually talked about it last week with Spider Man and like um, uh, Dan Slott wrote Spider Man for ten years, and while he did take him to a new direction, it became kind of stagnant. And I don't like when characters become stagnant. I think he should always be evolving. That's why Dick Grayson, I think, is the best DC character because that character has changed and evolved more than almost literally any character in comic book history. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about some of my favorite character evolutions, and then I want you guys just to think about while I'm talking what characters have evolved uh, uh, or, or devolved, because there's also some bad cases, which we'll talk about. Um, so obviously you guys know... Drake! 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 Drake. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. Um, so of course you got Dick Grayson. I love Dick Grayson. He started as a, a little uh, whippersnapper young boy being Batman's sidekick Robin, right? He grows up, he wants to leave Batman's shadow, so he becomes Nightwing who is his own hero. He lives in Bloodhaven. He's his own man. Uh, Years go by, uh, Batman dies. Um, So Dick Grayson takes over the mantle and he becomes Batman. He never wanted to be Batman, but Batman is so important to the world that he becomes Batman. Dick Grayson's my favorite Batman. Don't at me. Uh, Batman comes back because comic books are cyclical and everything's got to come back. So he goes back to being Nightwing. Spoiler alert, he becomes a spy. His name's Grayson and he works for Spiral. Thanks, Tom King. I love you. Um, and then he becomes Nightwing again, and then he gets shot in the head, and he gets amnesia, and his name's Rick Grayson, and I haven't read since then, because I don't know what the hell's going on with that shit. Um, let's see. So I got him. I got Swamp Thing. Um, you guys know a little bit about Swamp Thing. You three of you have watched the show, but, um, Swamp Thing starts as a, as a human being, Alec Holland. He becomes a monster. He's a man who is a monster, um, but he's still a man, right? He then evolves to thinking, oh, I was never actually the man I thought I was. I am I am dead. I am just a monster. My conscious does not exist. Uh, so there's a lot of emotional baggage that comes with that. The next arc after the, after Alan Moore is uh, Brian K. Vaughn. And Brian K. Vaughn turns Swamp Thing into a 
uh, eco-terrorist, kind of like a Poison Ivy, but he has no humanity whatsoever. He also has a daughter named Tifa. And Tifa is just like her dad, and she kills people, and she doesn't know how to control her powers because her dad never raised her right. And that is a very interesting uh, aspect of Swamp Thing that I didn't, that I haven't really got into a lot because uh, I only have the first two volumes. But that's something I want to dive into more, especially with you guys, because you guys, you guys know a lot about Swamp Thing. Uh, you don't know this part where he kind of is a um, neglectful father, <laughs> uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, and then he becomes the avatar of the green and, uh, he grabs wings with Scott Snyder's run. And then, uh, it's kind of been kind of the same since that. Um, yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing's been cool, but stuff with Swamp Thing, like, uh, he's part of the green, but then you add like the raw in the gray and like the machine kingdom and the calculations and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they keep adding that. That's what I like about that character. Um, last one that I want to talk about was Dr. Doom. Cause I mean, you guys know how much I love Dr. Doom and I've, uh, had plenty of Dr. Doom comic books on this podcast. Uh, Dr. Doom started as just a Latvian dictator. Um, uh, he ran a country with an iron fist, uh, and he fought the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. He slowly became more of a, not sympathetic character, but more of a um, mm, understanding character. No, that's not it. He's still a bad guy. He still kills people, but he does everything for the love of his country. Uh, Dr. Doom is a man who loves his nation above all else, whether that's good or bad. Um, you guys have read some comics from Dr. Doom. You know how things turn out. Uh, he eventually becomes a hero after saving the multiverse in Secret Wars, the best Marvel comic book event of all time. He becomes Iron Man, the infamous Iron Man, and he tries to turn a left foot, but all the heroes just don't believe him and they won't give him a chance. And Mephisto messes with him. And then he basically realizes, well, if I can't be the hero that you don't want me to be, I'll be the villain that you think I am. And now he's just back to being shitty Dr. Doom in a bad Fantastic Four comic book. So those are three characters that I really like. I want you guys to think about one character who's evolved for good or bad that you well, like. Sparks, why don't you, if you have one, why don't you go? Because I have one that I think that might be yours. Uh, why don't you go? Then I was say Superman. No, that wasn't mine. Go ahead. Okay, I was gonna say Superman, because um, I think that Superman had a lot of growth uh, up through the up through his death and rebirth and things like that. You know. Um, there was a there's a large period um, in the '90s that I think is really good for Superman as a character. Maybe not so much the stories, but like uh, he is able to get something that very few comic book characters are able to get, which is kind of a happy ending with a, with a marriage and a family. Mm-hmm. And he's finally able to marry Lois Lane, and that was the thing that that uh, fans always wanted to see. Uh, and then because you know Dan Didio is an idiot. Uh, they erased all that with the New Fifty Two, and that was really unfortunate that we lost that character growth because. Um, much like you see with uh, with a lot of characters, um, comics are cyclical, and so they kind of like revert back to this to this prior prior time because yes. you're to the status quo. And unfortunately for Superman, everyone thinks the status quo is him not related, him not married to Lois Lane, and that robs the character, I think, a lot of, of a lot of agency and 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 his humanity and his humanity and that that. The New Fifty Two is—it's got good. There's good stories in it, but one of the most egregious things that did to them was destroyed Superman on a fundamental level. Um, and it wasn't until a really shitty event called Convergence. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember like that. A really shitty event. Yeah, that was. That uh, he is able to have his wife back. It was an alt. The the, the explanation for the alternate reality version of Superman. That Lois and Clark miniseries rules. Yeah, it's just two issues. And one of the things that I really 
enjoy about uh, uh, about that is that we're introduced to John Kent, and uh, and when John Kent is born, it gives Superman the thing that he has always needed, which is that 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 uh, farm family, you know, that that kind of like nuclear family of I got my son. I got my wife, I got my farm. And I think that was always where Superman's story should have always progressed to is when he basically became Pa Kent. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really important for his character is that is that growth into a family man. Yes, because his like his thing is like, you know, I'm I'm the last of my kind, I'm an alien, but I'm but I'm as much I'm as much a human as you guys are. Um, but now that he has a son, that really does ground him to Earth in a way that never has has never been before. Like he had Lois, but like he married Lois, but now he has a child on Earth. That is that is his 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 linchpin to Earth. Like I am I am an Earthling. I am a human being because and of my son. That, and that's the thing that I that I will. That's the thing that I I can't get over with Bendis, is that when he came up with when he came onto Superman, you know he aged Jonathan to a seventeen year old boy, robbing Superman of his life with his son. And then shipping him off to the 31st century again, robbing Superman with his life with his son, almost like Brian Michael Bendis wanted to revert Superman back to the status quo, but not actually telling the audience that's what he was doing. Yeah, and that that's and I think that we didn't get enough time with this new version of Superman, with this family man Superman, before this happened, and I, I think. That, I think that robbed the character of something on a fundamental level. I think it robbed it of, of like you're saying, that humanity. I think he's robbed of humanity again. Uh, that uh, uh, Gleason and Tomasi Rebirth Superman book is, it's probably the best Superman book in what, like in 10 years? Like, honestly? Like, it's definitely not the new 52 stuff. Uh, yeah. I haven't read all of Bendis' stuff, but like the, the stuff that I've read, like I don't think it's as good as that Gleason stuff. <clears throat> like, that, 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 that Rebirth Superman book was like, everything I wanted a Superman book to be. It's his family while still being big and crazy. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it kind of feels like it's not that anymore. And it, it, it's a shame because we got, because as you're talking about, like, you know, we got that growth and then we lost it. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that sucks. And it's the nature of comics, but I, it, sometimes it works because we get enough time. Yeah. But I feel like we never got enough time with that character, with that version of Superman. I agree. Yeah. That's mine. Sparks, ben. I'm having trouble trying to figure out how did Ryan is it only specifically comic books or can it be from anything? It can be anything. It can be anything? Just character evolutions. It's like characters that have they're not in the same place they were before. Uh, I don't know if this is cheating a little bit because the first one that came to mind was Prince Zuko from Avatar the Last Airbender. No, that's absolutely a good that's a great one. That is that's, a villain who became a hero. Yeah, that is I mean, people discuss. I mean, what kind more can I say? If you watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know exactly what I'm talking about because that is, quite honestly, in my personal opinion, the best villain redemption. That doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like Once Upon a Time where it's like she's bad for a season, she's kind of good in another season, and then it's like it's like a sudden flip and she's flip flopping the whole time. Zuko starts off as like the main antagonist for the show, and then as the show progresses, it's a Nash. It's a it, it, it's a natural progression. Like each season, you see Zuko's journey, and then finally, once we get to the third season, he says he like that episode where he or it's the invasion of the Fire Nation, and he declares to his father that I'm going to help the Avatar after he betrayed Katara in Bossing Say in season yeah. season two. Is one of those things where it's like the whole time when Zuko's in the Fire Nation, his eyes are open to the horrors of what the Fire Nation is doing and how he is fighting on the wrong side. 
Is it season one where um, he dresses up as like the the, the blue the spirit? Yeah, he dresses up as a blue spirit to get Aang out of the prison because he doesn't want Admiral Zhao to take the glory. Because yeah. in Zuko's <laughs> mind, his whole thing is if I can win my honor back, I'll win the respect of my father. Which, as the story pro- goes on, he never earns the respect of his, of his the respect of his father. Even in the conflicts, he never earns his father's respect anymore. His father hates his guts no matter what he does. I love it because uh, it, what was it? The blue spirit is that what he went by? Yeah, yeah blue yeah, so, spirit. Yeah. So like he, this is just this, this quote unquote evil man who mm-hmm. is doing this thing to try to rationalize like uh, stuff for his family. But mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a hero. He's yeah. Secretly, it's inside of him, and it's like, slowly coming out. I love like it. The, I love it when when in season two when Azulo shows up for the first time. And then that guard just lets slip that they're taking the prisoners back to uh, back to the Fire Nation, and they realize they've been betrayed, and they cut off their top knots as like we are no longer Fire Nation, and it's the great arc of Zuko being alone with Iroh, wandering the Earth Kingdom. It's just that, just that that season of them running from the Fire Nation, and then when Zuko finally cho- chooses his side again in Bossing Se. It's one of those things where it's like, no, you were so good. Like he fought with Aang for a hot second, and then he just switches back to being on the Fire Nation side, and realizes like the Fire Nation sucks. And he earns the trust of Aang. He earns the trust of Katara eventually. He earns the trust of Zuko, and just that whole. And then forming that friendship is just phenomenal. I think Zuko is one of the best characters in all of Avatar. If not the best, in my opinion. Uh, you won't. You will not get an argument from anyone on this show. Yeah. That's coming back to Netflix on the fifteenth, I believe. Yeah, I am so happy. On the shit out of that show. I am what I am. Fanny has never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm gonna watch it with her. And I was actually scrolling through Netflix the other day, and the M Night Shyamalan movie is on there. And I will not watch it again. I did it yeah, once. I, I do not want to waste two and a half hours of my life watching that garbage ever again. Luckily, I've only watched Avatar once, and it, it's when it was on. Uh, uh, so I, I'm the happy to go the movie, right? as an adult. No, he was so, talking about the show. No, I wasn't no. the show. I watched the show when okay. I was on. Yeah. Okay. Years ago. Yeah, I, remember, I remember Avatar, like, when the, the channel Nicktoons existed. I don't know if it still exists now, but as far as my knowledge, it doesn't. Because they had it. Uh, that's how I caught up on Last Airbender. Nicktoons it, still it, exists. It does. Okay, because they still show reruns of Avatar Last Airbender. And it was actually on Netflix for a while before they took it off. Like, Korra got, like, went straight to digital. Last, <laughs> Last, Airbender, Last Airbender got moved to Amazon Prime. Okay. Okay. Uh, but still, that because that—that's like my, the character who actually has a good evolution and stays that way. Like even when he shows up in um, uh, Legend of Korra, it's still the Zuko. Oh, thing. when he rides a badass dragon. Oh, oh that's yeah. so freaking cool. I mean, just seeing Zuko again, old old man Zuko. It's like, yeah, old man Zuko. Big yeah. So Great. yeah, that's the archetype. Yeah, I was gonna. Oh gonna yeah. Say. Oh yeah, totally is a great Vegeta archetype. Hundred percent. Your turn, Barkies. Well, I was thinking comics, so I'm gonna stick to comics. Stick to it. Um, I honorable mentions would that I was thinking of was like, like I don't want to talk about it that much, but like Kitty Pride. Oh you know, God, you know, yeah. Kate Pride now. Uh, she's currently dead. <laughs> Spoiler from six months ago. Uh, let's hope she gets better. <laughs> oh boy, when 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 uh. When he was like, I think that the I think that the reason why you can't go through the gates is because of your powers. I think the same problem is be- would prevent your resurrection. I'm like, oh no, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Um, Sam Wilson 
becoming Captain America was another one I thought of. Yeah, so good. So um, good. But I want to talk about, guys, a long time ago, there was a cool idea to make this offshoot of Marvel called Ultimate Universe. I've heard of this. And in it, some really dope things happened because they were willing to make changes from the standard Marvel continuity that could just last. And one of those things is that when you start out, Reed Richards is this really nice 15-year-old boy who just wants to save the world. Just being Miles Teller all the way. And he ends up the maker. Coolest <laughs> <laughs> we'll villain of all time. Right. And uh, the, the, the entire line throughout the Ultimate Marvel comics, and it's not just in the Fantastic Four books, it's across the line that starts showing up in other places. And he... It's a Hickman thing. Thank you, Hickman. But he is driven by a desire to solve his number one mistake in his eyes, which is to fix Ben Grimm and make him not the thing. Mm -hmm. And the character evolution I want to talk about is, is Reed, but also Ben, because what happens is when Reed becomes the maker in the ultimate comics, he also right before he does all the horrible things he's about to do as the maker, he does his one last act of good, which is the most important thing to him. And he fixes Ben, yeah, which is what he wanted all along. And Ben Grimm stops being the rock character of the thing and instead becomes this normal man who also has a cosmic purple power that he's able to control. And that's Reed's last gift to him before he goes completely psychotic. And what does Ben do with it? He starts dating Sue because they've been falling in love. Yeah, baby! And this makes Reed crazy angry. Oh, it's so good, dude. <laughs> but, uh, but he still, like, the, the, the way that they write his slow isolation from all the other heroes hating him and hating how he like constantly tries to fix things that he breaks. So it's always his fault. And so they shut him out. Even the fantastic four shut him out. And then he spends a long time just like going nuts and getting smarter and studying and turning himself into the maker. And he also figures out how to fix Ben. So he does that. And it's a very beautiful moment of him just being like, I fix the one thing I always wanted to fix. And then from then on, he's the maker and he's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, dude. Hey, <laughs> uh, when Hickman took over the Ultimates uh, with Asad Riddick and like the maker is like the villain and he's introducing his like evolution, like evolution army. And it's like this cataclysmic event where like millions of people died. I'm like, oh my God, Marvel, can you just do this in your regular universe? Holy no, shit. I think it's really telling how easily Reed Richards could be a villain because every other Reed Richards in the multiverse is evil except for 616. Mm -hmm. I will say, as someone who's read the Council of Reeds arc in Jonathan Hickman's run, they are not so much evil as they are just, they are obsessed with fixing the world. I wouldn't, some of them are evil, but a lot of them are like Reed. They're just, they're this two in their own head. I wouldn't say they're all evil. But I mean, like, and that's that's such an interesting, like, linchpin of the character to explore is that his obsession with trying to fix constantly causes bad things yes. to happen. And then he has to fix the things he caused, which is cool that the Ultimate Universe fully explored that to its yes. ultimate end of Reed becomes a villain. Yes. And now he's in, in the regular universe, uh, causing a muck. Uh, yeah, he's like the Marvel Batman who laughs. Yes, but better. Well, one of the things one of the things I really enjoy about uh, the maker right now is, and it, it's it's very clear what he's doing if you follow Donny Case on Twitter. The maker is is in Venom, and he has brought over the Ultimate Symbiote. Yep, the Ultimate Symbiote. He wants to find the the Ultimate Universe again. He wants to get back to the Ultimate Universe. There have been he's been in he's been in the Ultimates book, 
that uh, Al Ewing did, but he was on he was based on Counter Earth, which only exists when Marvel needs it to continue to exist. Um, Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> and he. Uh, and now he's on he's on the the the, uh, the Venom storyline. So he's a really engaging kind of behind the scenes villain because not a lot of people know that there is a second Reed Richards running around. Yeah, that it's, is a comics only like heavy comics only. It's it's funny. It's very funny to me how many like I'm so glad I was in on the Ultimate Marvel train, and now I'm coming to like mainstream all the main comics. Yeah, the mainline comics because I can't even imagine like not ha- understanding the maker and having to go. Oh, I gotta go read the Ultimate Marvel universe. Yeah, I have like <laughs> ten so... years of Ultimate Read to read. Oh man, and man, but like it's it's so impactful if you've read how that universe played out. It's like oh geez, yeah, and like that he's bringing back that symbiote which was originally designed as a cure for cancer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, again, um, it's it's I've said it a lot of times, but like we we eventually all need to read Spider Man Two, the Bendis uh, event, because um, there's a a clear ultimate universe might be coming back thing happening in that book that i think at this point it's been it's been confirmed that i think at this point i think everyone should know what the ending of that book is right yes i'm just gonna say because it's been literally like five years yeah um the the kingpin was trying to find another universe where his wife was alive um oh spider-verse spider-verse yes and then spider-verse 2 happened where the 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 shit that happened in there happens in spider-verse 2 and things happen and other characters have come involved but they basically find another universe that's the ultimate universe the final page of that book is a bunch of the ultimate characters doing ultimate things they're alive they're alive if is this the same ultimate universe no is this a ultimate universe yes uh but they haven't done they've they've done little things with it but with with the maker doing this stuff like we could see the ultimate universe come back like for real that would be consequences in a comic what well there was also for man for years before they decided to just cancel the ultimate universe there was going to be an ultimates versus avengers title that, yeah and it was going, be, to be, going to be yeah. a crossover between the ultimates and the and the and that, the that kind of is what um secret wars is kind of because right, but, it, but they've been very clear that well ultimates end is uh is what it became it wasn't initially supposed to be that yes um after having like avx and ivx and all these uh x-men versus avengers like all these crossover books i think secret wars was the better alternative than just to have this alternate universe fight another alternate universe all these it's civil war but different exactly i don't even know civil war secret wars is the is is the reason they fight it's because the universe is ending and one of them has to survive that's how that's how you do it baby Mm -hmm. Bless you, Jonathan. <laughs> All right, who's next? Um, I'll go. I'll go next. Go for it. So, uh, let's. How do I put? So the other day, I was going through the PlayStation Store because they had that big Japan sale. Because obviously, a lot of um, video games are on sale now because the people are stuck at home. It's COVID nineteen, yada yada yada. And I got myself Metal Slug Three because it was on sale for like two bucks. And I was like, I would have been mad. And also myself and Sparks and Riley, we could play it online because that's the only one that has online capabilities. And then on Twitter, a few days later, you know one of those things where you go, like, your birthday month is, like, the only game console you can play for the rest of your life? Well, mine's November, and the console that was there was the Neo Geo. And it mm-hmm. got me thinking. At first, I was like, oh, man, the Neo Geo, what? And then it got, I got to think, I was like, hold up. SNK, the company behind the Neo Geo, has a lot of great games. And then I, as I started stewing on it more, I was like, you know what? SNK, the, the Neo Geo SNK as a company, they're kind of left in the dust as being one of those companies that 
everyone's a lot of people have played their games, but they don't remember them just because they're not Sega, they're not Nintendo, they're not the popular ones. So essentially, my topic is kind of giving like a tiny little history le- lesson on SNK and maybe why we should pay a little bit more attention to them. Maybe look back on those games or maybe bring those games more into the limelight because they have a lot of good, a lot of good games. A lot of people who are diehard fighting game fans will turn to those old, like the King of Fighters series and Samurai Showdown series as the pinnacle of some fighting games, even though everyone talks about Street Fighter, everyone talks about Mortal Kombat, but then it's like, but what about King of Fighters? What about Samurai Showdown? Those were huge games back in the day. Ben, I, I would argue that that all everything you're talking about might mm-hmm. be like the most cult classic of video game stuff because yeah, oh, yeah. like King of Fighters is like is a really well loved fighting game in the fighting mm-hmm. game community. Outside of that, regular people do not know King of no, Fighters. No, they don't. Like I think people know about Metal Slug, but that is a very cult classic. Like you cool. knew that from growing up in like arcades and stuff. Well, funny thing I is, I've never actually, heard of this console. Yeah, yeah. Actually, well, probably one of the reasons why because the console came out. The Neo Geo AES came out in 1990, and it started price like when it first came out was six hundred and fifty dollars and this yeah, was by 1990 like, uh, standards today they've been bad yeah. our entire life yeah. uh-huh and even then the cartridges brandon, brandon's like there's inflation now yeah there is <laughs> who complain about our 60 dollars video games games have been super hard for a long time yo you want to know how much a neo geo cartridge cost back in the day a lot 200 bucks yeah yeah more I mean, what when did this console come out? 1990. Okay, keep talking. Oh, yeah. Are you doing station numbers? Yep. What? Oh wow. Okay. So, I mean, the one cool thing about the about SNK, because they wanted to bring um their games like their like King of Fire, Semi Showdown, Metal Slug, Bust a Move. They wanted to bring them to the home, because one cool thing about SN and um, SNK cabinets is that they're multi-game. This is what not, not a lot of game companies were doing this. I mean, sure, you had the Miss Pac-Man Galaga. It's a $1,200 um, console. And by three standards, yeah. $1,200? Are you kidding me? Yep. Oh, my be God. Grateful. Be grateful when our PlayStations are only $500. I am so Whoa. grateful. I mean, looking, uh, 650 bucks. that's more than a PS4. And that's yep. not kind more of... More PS5 will be, my man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, but there was also the Neo Geo. C- Hold up, let me look up here. There's also the Neo Geo CD, but unfortunately, that system because that system was like, hey, it's easier to, it's, it'll be cheaper to play games, but because the games use so much data, it took about thirty to forty seconds to load. And I'm trying to see if there was a price point on here. I don't think it was because the Neo Geo CD came out in 1994, and it was supposed to be the, it was like the next step from the AES, which was the first uh, SNK console, and unfortunately, it was the last one. But looking back on those old SNK uh, cabinets that you would see in the arcade, they always had multiple games inside them. Like, you would never see just one cabinet, say, Metal, Gear, uh, Metal Slug. It was always Metal Slug 3, Samurai Showdown, 3, uh, Samurai Showdown 2, Bust a Move, um, Gunslingers. And those multiple, there's like four games into one cabinet, and you could got to pick and choose which game you wanted to play. Because back in the early 90s, this was a huge thing, because a lot of people, when they had... Um, they had like dedicated cabinets to like say Street Fighter Two or Tetris. It was just the one cabinet, nothing else. There was a new Samurai Showdown fighting game released in 2019 for all. There was, stuff. there was, yeah, there was, and I heard that actually did pretty good, pretty decently. Metal Metal Slug is a is a Metal, game that like, has always been around. I, are they making new ones? There um, was Metal Slug. One they made was like seven years ago. Yeah. 
it was on um, portable systems, mm. and then they've yeah. now ported it over to like the PlayStation and blah blah blah. It's technically Metal, Metal Slug Seven. It's called Metal Slug X. Yeah, because uh, that seems like a like a franchise that could easily like get a good reboot. Like, because I, I think that's like a, it's like that's like one of those game franchises that I think everybody knows, even if like you're not like a fan of it. Like, if you go oh, to our, yeah, know about those little dudes with the guns. You know about also, it. Look, uh, Terry Bogard, the second to last uh, DLC fighter for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. No yeah, one knew. No one knew when he was from. And then it was like, oh, you knew. You knew, Ryan. You and I both knew. But he's from, excuse me, he's from Fatal Fury. Oh, yeah, it was one of the more expensive consoles I've had because this is a year before the SNES came out. And this was a year after the Genesis came out. Both were severely um, cheaper in price. And a lot of people went to those because they are A, cheaper, and they had more popular games, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately for SNK. I mean, over the years, obviously, SNK got into a lot of problems. But luckily, since now we're, we live in an age of console minis, there is such a thing as a Neo Geo Mini. It's not the best because I mean it is selfish. What's up? Is it twelve hundred dollars? No, it's not twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's, it comes with forty SNK games. Um, they come with like a lot, a lot like five King of Fighters games, like uh, three Samurai Showdowns and three Metal Slugs. I mean, honestly, the console stuff—it looks like a mini arcade cabinet that you can still plug into your TV. I haven't gotten one yet because I kind of don't want to because I don't like the way it works. I typed in Neo Geo Mini in the first YouTube review. Mm -hmm. It's a Neo Geo Mini review, capital letters, disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> it's only fifty bucks though. It is. It is. But also, if you go onto the Nintendo to the Nintendo eStore right now, a bunch of Neo Geo titles are on there, and they're there for cheap. So mm -hmm. the good news is is that these classic games, you can, you're able to play them, which makes me happy as an old-school gamer and, quote-unquote, the soldier's bitch, yeah, I know. But the fact that these games are are, are alive and you can play them... What was that, Brandon? If the bitch fits. <laughs> but the fact that these games are still alive and you can play them in a modern setting is good because it's of, because it's keeping the... It's keep not it's not just keeping SNK because SNK still exists today. Obviously they came out with Samurai Showdown. They had a I was looking reading up the Wikipedia page before we started recording it. They had a bunch of people left leave the company. Someone bought them out and then they were able to buy bring back a lot of developers into the fold. So luckily SNK still exists today. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. But the fact that a lot of SNK games kind of get shoved to the wayside in lieu for Marvel vs. Capcom or for um, Street Fighter. Now it's like, it's like, hey, bring back some SNK. Let's. I mean, they used they did bring back King of Fighters for a while. Those games weren't the best, but the older King of Fighters, like ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety nine, people still play those today. Uh, King of Fighters ninety eight is on Xbox Game Pass because that's one of the most well beloved King mm -hmm. of Fighters. Oh yeah, like Samurai Showdown two and four. Everyone loves those games, and even five special edition. We don't talk about Samurai Showdown three. Apparently, that game has just gone awful. <laughs> we talk about three. No, we don't talk about three. So yeah, I just wanted to say that we should give some SNK some more love. I mean, yes, they're not one of the biggest games like Nintendo or Sony or Sega back in the 90s, but if you think about, especially for fighting games and even classic arcade games, like um, my last birthday, I remember watching Sparks and Megan, they were blasting through Metal Slug 3. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, I want to play some Metal Slug. One of the reasons why I bought Metal Slug the other day was because I love those old school running gunners. Metal Slug is... Everyone, even though people say, "Oh, I never played Metal Slug," you probably played Metal Slug in some way before. Yeah, I, I love Metal Slug. I was a big fan when I was younger. I would play that all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so, also it's, then when um, 
it's hard when you only have like three or four franchises over 20 yeah. years oh, yeah. and you can release games yearly. So yeah. like uh, it, SNK definitely has a huge following, uh, mm-hmm. like a hardcore following. But mm-hmm. when you don't put out consistently good products every year, it's yeah. hard to build that audience, you know? Yeah, because I remember when they put out King of Fighters 14, the people were excited, like, oh my God, King of Fighters is coming back. And then looks good. It looks like, good, but people didn't really like it because everyone goes back to the to King of Fighters 98, which came if out. Not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's true. It's very true. Not broke, don't fix it. And even while I was looking on the Neo Geo mini lineup, it's like almost every King of Fighters up to 2002. And it's like, wow, King of Fighters was kind of like the original FIFA slash Madden. Yeah. Brandon, what are you doing? Is he trying? Are you what? trying to get get your the lens flare in there? The tri beam. Oh, the tri beam. Okay. All right. Uh, TN. Yeah. But as I was saying, King of Fires was kind of like the first FIFA and Madden of the early night of the nineties because they a new game came out every single year, and the only a few roster improvements happened every every year. Yeah. So. I'm still. I'm sorry. I'm still reeling at the price of that console. Yeah. Oh, when it first came out? God. The balls to release something oh, that expensive then. Yeah. Yo, there was a few systems. There was like a the Philips CDI. That thing was super expensive too, and that thing just failed dramatically. There were a few other uh, systems. There was like a JVC Genesis and Sega CD all in one that retailed back in the nineties for over a thousand bucks. I was cool because you had a Sega CD and a Sega Genesis in one thing. You didn't have to buy the the two separate consoles, but still, that price point back in the early '90s, way out of league. That's, that's Except the for, decision of like, do I get this or do I buy a used car? Except, yeah, <laughs> back in the early '90s, it's like, do I buy a car or do I buy video games? How expensive did you say the games were? What's up? How expensive did you say the games were? The cartridges range from two hundred to three hundred bucks. Holy crap! For a game back then. Back yeah. then. Yeah, Brandon, yeah. Like, games have always been expensive. They've only gotten cheaper. It's crazy. Oh, the balls. Yeah. The balls on this company are, are like, massive. Like in, the, er, in the 90s, like, when there was, like, um, like a Dragon Ball Z fighting game, dude, you would spend, like, $200 to get that for your PlayStation. God. This was 25 years ago. However, Final Bout, the only fighting game to exist in the United States prior to Budokai. It might be it. <laughs> <laughs> it might be I it. Think- I'm the sorry. Only... There's, uh, there's Ultimate Battle 22. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm thinking of Ultimate Battle 22. I know about GTA. Though. Well, the good thing is, is like, do you guys, you guys probably don't remember this, but back in the '90s, Blockbuster would rent out game systems. I remember that. So, I rented them out. Oh, there you go. There you go. So the Neo Geo was. We all the... we all were born in 1998, so it's good for you to check, though. <laughs> sorry, Ben. <laughs> You you might not remember, like we all didn't weren't born in around the same time. I, you know how, uh, how often I went to Blockbuster, buddy. Uh, King of Fighters does a Smash series across different game franchises. Max, yeah, so. they did. Uh, King, it was because <coughs> Capcom and SNK, because even though Capcom, <clears throat> they were a direct competitor of SNK back in the day, there was an SNK Capcom crossover, and then eventually SNK is like, okay, we want to do our own thing now because that for that game, Capcom got most of the money because they developed it. And then after that was a success, they're like, oh, we can do this a bit better. And then they got Marvel involved. Mm-hmm. And then they got the X. First, it was X-Men versus Capcom. Yes, then, true. No, Sorry. No, first, it was Street Fighter versus X-Men. Then X-Men versus Street. Then X-Men versus Capcom. Yes. And then it was Marvel versus Capcom. Kept building. 
Because there were two games. I want to say there were two games. Because I know it was X-Men. Street Fighter versus X-Men came out first. And then that got the ball rolling. And then we got Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my little uh, history lesson on SNK and the Neo Geo. Snick. Probably nice deserve it. It was like it was. It had some great games. Has a lot of great fighting games. Uh, some good running gunners. Uh, um, they're cult classics to this day. And yeah, little little bit of history for you. Nice, thank you. You're welcome. Sparks. I guess that leaves you. Cool. So, uh, well, speaking of video games, have you guys ever wanted to read Ready Player One as a graphic novel? Me neither. But my topic today is about great literature you might want to see adapted into a graphic novel. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Austin, look away. <laughs> In all seriousness, though. Right here, buddy. Right my, here. My topic was: Do you really want a Ready Player One graphic novel? I don't care. Do you, do you really want to watch them do those long-form, let's recreate the Matthew Broderick movie War Games? It's a oh, whole issue of whole just issue. War Games? No. That's my thought. That's my thought. But what I am talking about is... Well, things- I, I love how you decide to throw away one of my favorite books in it. It's like, hey, F you. It was for the transition from video games to this. I love you. Love you too. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I was thinking about this topic because um, I, I do you remember the name of the artist off the top of your head? There's uh, an artist on Instagram who recently shared their covers for re-releases of the Harry Potter books in Thailand. Oh yeah, I don't know. And uh, they are really, really beautiful uh, new covers. Um, and I was thinking about that. And then in relation, I would really like a whole bunch of, oh yeah, Thanks, poor boy. Thinking about that in relation to wanting a whole lot of uh, books to be translated to graphic novels. The uh, Riordan books, a whole lot of them, not all of them, certainly not even close anymore. Um, if you can see it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, right? Really beautiful. Really beautiful. It's a yeah. Thailand artist named a- Apolar. Yeah. It's one word like Madonna. Um, so I, I was thinking about how Riordan's books, all, a lot of them have been translated into graphic novels very faithfully. Um, and uh, it's really nice to get, especially with all this mythology that's attached to those books, a lot of that imagery translated into graphic novel forms. Um, obviously, he's got way more books in the series than the graphic novels have been able to keep up with, but they're still doing it. And so I was thinking, what kind of other books would you guys like to see maybe translate and given in a, a graphic novel adaptation that's perhaps uh, more faithful to the book than maybe movie adaptations have been. Two high examples for me personally that I was thinking of right off the bat are the Harry Potter books, which is why I mentioned that. Um, I've, wanted, I've wanted a Harry Potter graphic novel adaptation for years. Right, far more than I want another, te- uh, like a television series trying to be more faithful to the books or another movie series. I would really love a graphic novel series. A graphic novel series that went all the way up from the first one all the way into Cursed Child personally. Yeah, uh, I'd really like that a lot. Uh, I think that there's a lot of room to like stay totally faithful to the story of the books, but because it's a graphic novel, you can play so much with the imagery. Um, and I think that there's a lot of room for that in Harry Potter. Another one that I thought of is I really love a graphic no- novel adaptation that's very faithful to the Crichton Jurassic Park books. Oh, and oh, yeah. It doesn't try to obey the films at all. Uh, yeah. I think that would be really cool because those books are very different from those movies. They and are. Uh, reading graphic novels that were actually doing that, seeing some cool dinosaur graphic novel imagery done in that context, I think could be really cool. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you guys had any that you were could think of. Yeah. Well, buddy, I got one right here. The Thrawn trilogy. 
All right. I mean, you know. So no. I have two two books that I've read, and then one book series that I'm going to start reading because I've been interested in it for my entire life, and I just I completely forgot until you brought up this topic, and I remembered the book. It's a book series called um, Temieri. It's a it's a series of nine novels written by American author Naomi Novik. It's a fantasy and alternate history. It's a retelling of the Napoleonic Wars with the Air Force made up of dragons. Yeah, so I want that. I've never read the book, but I want that book. I'm going to start reading it, and I want that oh, turned right. into a... Give me that. Yeah. Give, give me the title of that book, please. Uh, T-E-M-E-R-A-I-R-E. Temerary. Right. Right. I'm going to probably pick it up this week. It sounds really cool. Yeah, that sounds rad. Um, it, the first book is His Majesty's Dragon. That sounds so cool. Oh, that's Ooh, so Stephen, cool. Stephen King gave it, gave it a thumbs up, Ben, so you can read it. Oh, there you go, Ben. Uh, so, that's the first one um, that I haven't read. The second one is, uh, I believe it's already being turned into comics. I believe Marvel had, now has the rights to it. But the Warhammer 40,000 universe, it's so insane that the only way to do it justice would be to give it a Game of Thrones-esque budget because you cannot do War, Warhammer low budget. It's just the nature of the, of what it is. You need big budget because it's crazy sci-fi. Um, but turning that into a graphic novel series, um, much like Star Wars, it spans hundreds of years. You could you can do any of the characters. Um, there are so many different factions. Um, but it's about the Empire of Man trying to reclaim the universe in the name of science and not religion. And how you how the the space marines do not believe in religion. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in demons. And they've spent hundreds of years um, shaping the universe in their image in science. But what happens when demons from a chaos dimension actually invade? And this destroys the empire that they've set up for a thousand generations. Uh, and what happens when religion is real in, in the in the face of science? Um, it's super heady and it's super crazy and it takes place <clears throat> 40,000 years in the future. Um, I think that would be an excellent graphic novel series to do. My last one is um, Starship Troopers, which is an excellent movie. That movie is literally nothing like the book, uh, but that's not a bad thing. It's a good movie. But the book is much more about dealing with fascism and um, military and like what it means to be a citizen of, of the world when military is the most important aspect of it. Um, and it's about uh, Johnny Rico starting from a teenager, joining the army uh, to becoming a war master and becoming a warmonger and like a killer of, of, of course, you're fighting giant aliens, but like there's there's emotional damage that happens to you when you try to become a lord of war. And it's about this teenager who becomes a man and uh, a, a savage. Um, uh, and I would love to see that turned into a, uh, a true adaptation graphic novel uh, instead of like the kind of fun, spunky movie version. Those, those yeah. I, uh, most of the ones that I would pick are actually already being adapted into comics. Uh, such as Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. I thought that could have been, that would be a really gorgeous comic book. And they're turning it into a comic book. And the artwork that they've already released is gorgeous. Obviously, there's Dune, which is becoming a comic book series we've already heard about. Um, the Meg is already a comic book series. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but, you know, I've wanted, and unfortunately, Sparks, you took the, you took the one that I've been championing for a long time, which is uh, Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. I have wanted a Harry Potter graphic novel series for a very, very long time. And I'm not talking about, like, most of the time when they adapt graphic novels, especially with the big companies like DC or Marvel. Um, DC doesn't do it so much as Marvel anymore. But Marvel is Game of Thrones. Marvel is Game of Thrones? I don't know that. Yeah, it's a Game of Thrones graphic novel adaptation. No, I know, but I thought that was Dynamite. I didn't know that was Marvel. I'm pretty um, sure. 
I think it might be dynamite, but I'll I'll defer to you on that one. Um, I wanted uh, most of the time when they do comic books that it's a six issue dynamite. dynamite you're it right. is dynamite. Uh, it is six issue miniseries, and I uh, I don't feel like that gives the story in the book enough time. Yeah, I think they cut, they end up cutting out more than they would if they had just adapted. So I'm talking like I wouldn't mind twelve issue series or however long that series need, needed to be to tell the full story of each book. For sure. And yeah. I think I think Harry Potter is one where you could be guaranteed that kind of time. Yeah, um, people are going to buy it. You, because people will buy it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I fully agree with you, though. I don't want it to be like a rush job. I want you to adapt the book. Like, not line by line, but more or less get the book adaptation. You can be more faithful to it. You don't have to rush through it the way movie and television shows would and adapt it and make it a graphic novel and i think harry potter is lined up really well for it um uh i know john carter has done it oh they to, have so to, many uh, success yeah exactly um yeah. some that are some that are like taking cues from the books and then going in their own direction but there are some that are actually more faithful to the books uh and i think that uh dune is a cool one i'm glad they're doing it but like yeah. uh uh yeah i agree with you i i wish harry potter would have a strong graphic novel series it's surprising yeah. Because the Game of Thrones ones have been coming out for so many years, uh, Rowling, like, Rowling yeah. is Rowling is staunchly against it, and it's surprising because like it's not like she needs any more money, but like the money she would get from these, yeah. like in the audience is like, oh man, this could actually get more kids to read comics than maybe any other property for real. Yeah. I didn't even consider that. If they really put a good team on it. Now I do want to I do want to shout out a comic book uh, something. So Dynamite owns the James Bond license. Um, and what they have done is put on their James Bond artists onto a different James Bond book written by Ian Fleming. They've done Casino Royale. So it is, it is adapted by the artist. There's no writer attached. So, it will, so the, the writer is Ian Fleming, and there's no other adapted writer attached. The artist has adapted the book into a comic book series, and they're gorgeous. They're beautiful hardcovers. And that is the kind of care I would like them to do with a Harry Potter adaptation. Um, something that gives it the 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 time that it deserves to tell the story properly. I highly recommend checking out those Casino Royale, and I think they did the next one. I, I think Doctor No, I don't remember. Um, gorgeous hardcover books. I highly recommend you guys check those out. But For yeah, sure. I, I'm not I'm not much of a uh, sadly I'm not much of a book reader. I wish I was more, but I haven't read too many. I read some of the classics, and they've done the classics. They've done Christmas Carol. They've done Frankenstein and Dracula. Yeah. And I huh? saw a manga version of Les Miserables at Barnes and Noble once. Amazing! They've done those. They've done those to death. So, like anything I would pick, uh, it would would just be something that's already been done. Anyway, Ben. Uh, well, I feel like I picked this one, this book series, a lot for readaptation of anything, and it's this one. I I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. I forgot about the book series. So, so for the for the for the listeners. Who are not who are not on the who are not watching the live stream? The Inheritance uh, series, Aragon. Oh yeah, Aragon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that movie did that series dirty. Uh, sure. It uh, it's a really it is really is a good book. It's a really good book series. Um, I feel that I mean, just going back on what Game of Thrones did, how they took like each season is a book. I feel like maybe Aragon could become a series in a way, but even as a conflict, because there's some great imagery in that, like the, the dragons, the the swords that you that you match this color of the scales of those dragons. 
just all that that imagery and the the grand fights like they'd have in the end of the first book Aragon and or even in uh, Brisinger the third one there is these grand massive battles that you can do and I think that will work awesome as a graphic novel and also just the, the visual delight of seeing um uh the sword Brisinger the sword Zarok and the dragons all of them just like flying around and kicking ass and taking names I think it'll be really really cool to see in a, as a novel. Um, it's not a book that I've read. You've probably read it, Ben. Uh, but they made a movie out of it. It's Stephen King's Nightcatcher. Um, and I think the movie, I think the movie is, um, it's okay. It, that book, I have not read it, but it is a very, it is a very heady book. And it's hard to translate that into movies when you're trying to deal with stuff inside people's minds. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, I think translating that book into a graphic novel would work really well because you get to explore the inside of people's minds. Like they have like mind, like mind palaces where they go inside their mind and look through file cabinets of their memories and stuff like that. So I think um, that could translate. Are you thinking of Dreamcatcher? Dreamcatcher. What did I say? Nightcatcher. Nightcatcher. I was like, I'm not familiar with a book called Nightcatcher by Stephen King. (laughs) Thank you. Dreamcatcher. Dope. I agree. Yes. Uh, Because I think that movie has a lot of... um, it tries to do a lot of interesting ideas uh, pretty badly because it's it's just a medium of making movies. Like it's some things are really hard to adapt, and I think uh, that movie or that book specifically uh, with alien invasions and dealing with your mind and psychic powers would work really well on a book. Uh, I think I think a lot of Stephen King stuff could be brought to the graphic novel phase really well. I wish that they would because yeah. uh, when they did it with the Dark Tower series, I thought that was a really good choice, yeah. and I wish that they do more that like you couldn't you you're not going to get a Stephen King cinematic universe, but you could get a Stephen King graphic novel universe where yeah. there's a lot more overlap. And like, you can get so much out of the imagery. Like, just thinking about things like the stand, yeah, uh, oh. and Salem's Lot. Yeah. Uh, right. You know what? Oh, sorry. You know what would probably work really well as a gothic to horror, uh, dark, uh, like dark book, mm-hmm. and the Dark Souls games. Oh yeah. So like, take, like, take the Dark Souls games and turn them into graphic novels because obviously one of the one of the cool things about dark, the Dark Souls series and also one of the like the not so good things in my opinion because I'm a big story guy. I like to know why I'm doing this. I like to know the story. The story of Dark Souls isn't showing your face. You have to like dig for it. You have to dig for the lore. You have to find it. Which I got, I ha- got good news and bad news for you, Ben. Oh, what's there, the good news? There is a the good news is there is a Bloodborne comic written by Alice Cott that's incredible. What's um, the bad news? Bad news is there is a Dark Souls comic and it's horrible. Damn it. It feels like so you know how Dark Souls is very mysterious and it's very dark and it doesn't explain a lot of things to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The comic it feels like a Dungeons and Dragons comic where there is more talking in this comic than any other comic I've read. And it's just explaining what your sword, where your sword is from and what you're going to do to the boss and where the boss is from. And gotcha. it's not, there's none of the mystery or fun that Dark Souls well, Essentially, it just dumps just all the lore in front of you. And it doesn't leave any of the mystery. comic. It okay. doesn't feel like Dark Souls whatsoever. Bloodborne's great. Okay. So may I, may I give another suggestion? I have to double check this. Um, there have been comics of this series, of, of this series, but they haven't been done since the seventies, and they were done in the style of the old animated movies of them. Lord of the Rings. I was going to suggest gonna, the same. Yeah. Uh, I, there has I not been a true Lord of the Rings adaptation in comic books that has not been a tie-in to those old movies. Uh, I think that, that'd be really engaging. I want to percent agree. I was waiting for you guys to get through it, and then I was going to bring it up. I, I think Lord of the Rings is due for a very uh, like 
deep take on a graphic novel where they can do some really cool stuff. I'm thinking like something that looks like concept art that we usually see for films. Like they, they can go really Get wild like a with a graphic it, novel. Like some of that, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they can go really wild with some of these fantasy series. Another one, again, this also does have a graphic novel series. However, from what I can find, there's only two of the books made and they're made from like the early nineties and a re like really like childish storybook style. And I want something a little, a little more stepped up. It's, deeply seated in christian ideology but the chronicles of narnia series yeah could make yeah. a great graphic novel series and the other big fantasy uh one that probably more important to me than chronicles of narnia what would be cool is uh the, the chronicles of Prydain, which uh is where the black cauldron is from okay yeah that's that's a five uh that's a five book series and if they would adapt that because there's there's really no good adaptation of those stories yeah but what about the chronicles of spiderwick what about that what about one? The yeah, what about that one? Boy, give me a Riddick graphic novel series anytime. But I, uh, the, but the Black Cauldron books, the Chronicles of Perdane, there's no real good adaptation of those books into film. There's no real good adaptation of them into graphic novels. And I think they're well due for it, to be honest. Yeah. Speaking of Chronicles, when I'm doing my uh, shows with Rachel Litvin for Chronicles of Royal High, people in the chat um, say that they, they would like to see her books turn into a graphic novel form. So that'd be cool. There you go cool um okay because that's three three hours and 15 minutes now uh because uh, a riddick has a motion comic not the same not the same i looked it up because i was like oh i think there is a riddick comic no it's motion uh okay three and three I think, I think honestly highest on my list of all those that will never happen is jurassic park and the lost world yeah that'd be cool I yeah. think that I'm, would be wild i think i'm getting my warhammer comic so i'm, I'm gonna be happy yeah that would be really great year. i think that's really cool oh yeah yeah. Okay. Speaking of comics, should I move into our book club? Yes. This is probably going to be a four-hour long episode, guys. Strap in. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Uh, Could you be a little bit more specific? Um, Anything readable? Strapped on. All right, Ben. Yeah. Take it away. So, my comic this week is House of M by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by Oliver Copiel. It is a book I have never read up until this week because the only reason why I bought it is after I got hardcore into the Hawksbox and I was talking to Ryan and he was like, hey, you should probably read these other events. And I'm like, well, the only other events I know of are the Genosian Genocide and Scarlet Witch's No More Mutants. What do I need to get those? He's like, well, uh, No More Mutants is House of M, so you should definitely get that. And I did get it. And I finally read it. And I really enjoyed it. It was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. And I'm actually... Uh, what, did you, what did you think it was going to be first? I thought it was just going to be... I thought it was going to be um, Scarlet Witch just... I mean, obviously it's a Scarlet Witch-based story, but it was going to be Scarlet Witch just wrecking everyone's shit. So like, you didn't know it was an alternate world book? I did not. That's I had so no... That makes me so happy when you know nothing about I didn't know anything about House of M. I just know the end result was Scarlet Witch wiping out the mutant gene in over 6 million mutants. See, I thought that was the beginning of the event. I thought no more mutants happened at the beginning of this event. So when it didn't, I was just like, oh, okay, now you let's got go. Cheese to get there, baby. Yeah, because I thought it was Scarlet Witch just trying and fighting and then eventually her saying, screw it. It, it is, but not in the way I thought. I was like... Yeah. I. All right, so obviously the book takes place after um, an event happens where Scarlet Witch kills Hawkeye, kills Hank Pym, the Ant-Man, 
and kills her husband division. Yep. So it starts off like that with um, Scott Lang. Scott Ant-Man. Lang, Ant Man. Thank you. And Real started- quick, man. Uh, just I just want to uh, tell you guys in the audience. So before this, there was a thing called Decimation, where the Avengers broke up. Scarlet Witch went so crazy that she she made um, an imaginary, not imaginary. She conjured up a Cree, uh, a, a Shi'ar Cree invasion army out of her mind and attacked Earth. So Hawkeye was killed uh, trying to save the world from like a Shi'ar uh, invasion that didn't have that wasn't real a minute ago. So it was right. bad, really bad shit happened. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, uh, right now, Scarlet Witch is on Genosha with um, Magneto and Charles Xavier because they're trying to help her. She's like constantly creating warping reality, and she's losing her grip on it. Like she's, um, tr- like she's creating this reality of her having twin boys. And then Charles shows up in her dream space. Is like, this isn't real, Wanda. You have to stop this. And eventually. Uh, Pietro shows up and is like, he goes to Magneto's like, they're gonna kill her. The Avengers, the X Men, they're gonna figure out that she can't be helped and they're going to kill her. And the Avengers and X Men are essentially like talking about it, like, like Wolverine straight up says, like, let's, we gotta put her down. We have to kill her. And Captain America's like, no, we're not gonna do that. Yeah. So they go to the Genosha to try and figure out a way to help Scarlet Witch. And then people start disappearing one by one. They don't know what's happening. And then Spider Man's the last one who gets hit with like this psionic wave. It goes to white, and then Logan wakes up in this brand new world where mutants are the dominant species over the humans. Yeah, next you know what I, you know what I found. You know what I found. So he Logan's the last person we see. We see mm-hmm. Spider Man wake up, and then Scott. And then, um, what I found to be a really haunting image was uh, the church with uh, Xavier oh, yeah. uh, in front of the three hooded figures, which end up being. Yeah. You know, like uh, here's the like this is the, that was haunting. Yeah, like so. Hold on a second. Like this is the part where Spider Man's walking through. People are disappearing, and then you see this. You see Spider Man. It's like what's going on. You see this blank white page, and the next thing you turn is Peter Parker waking up. But that picture. Gwen Stacy. Blonde hair. That's not Mary Jane Watson, and he's yeah. married to Mary Jane. That's Gwen Stacy. That's what we know. Oh shit! You know so, what I really, what I really enjoyed about this book was seeing Peter Parker after he gets his memory restored. It's so sad, man. And that was really tough. And how he's how he's talking to like Luke because Luke remembers Jessica, and he's like, you know, have you tried talking to Mary Jane? He's like, no, I, I haven't even thought of it. It's like you kind of get this this feeling that he's wrapped with guilt with the fact that Mary Jane is successful in this world, mm-hmm. not married to Peter. My right. Yeah. Like you, we get a, a split. Like the, before the first issue ends, we get a sense of what's going on in this new world. Like Hank McCoy, the Beast, he's no longer a Beast. He's still a mutant, but he doesn't have the fur. He's talking he to him. Yeah, it's secondary evolution. Exactly, he's a regular looking person. Mm-hmm. You see, um, Janet Van Dyne as a fashion designer for Princess Aurora Storm of Kenya, the Queen and of Kenya. Hell yeah, Queen of Kenya. Yeah, and then finally Wolverine wakes up next to Mystique. And that's when, and and seeing a giant hell carrier, and like he's the director of Shield, and you see all these all these uh, hell carriers and uh, Quinjets, but they have it's not the regular Shield logo, it's the M logo, which is the House of M, which is the House of Magus, uh, Magnus, which is Magneto. Uh, Carol Danvers is the most popular hero on the planet, which mm-hmm. is awesome most because that- hero, that's not a mutant. Yes, that's great. Um, it's funny because um, 
it's kind of the same way now. Uh, as much as like, uh, like I like Captain Marvel, like in terms of comic book sales, like she, she's not a top 10 seller, right? Um, she's never, even 15 years ago, she wasn't a big hit either. This was Bendis giving her the chance that she's never had in the comics to be the biggest superhero on the planet. Mm -hmm. so, it's, it's something that every hero deserves, right? And like when you make a superhero, you want them to be successful. Yeah. And Carol Danvers has gotten been kicked around a lot. Uh, so it's, this this was Ben saying like I'm gonna give Daryl Daryl uh, Carol the the Daryl 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 Derivia I'm gonna give Carol the chance that she never had. Unfortunately, it's in an alternate reality world. Yeah, because um, I had no idea that we were going to alternate reality. I had I had I was completely blind. So when I was reading this, I was like, I want to know what happens. How do we get to the point where Scarlet Witch? Because she created a world where mutants are on top. There is no such. If anything, humans are the ones who are being looked down on. Even when um, Sam Wilson, Detective Sam Wilson, goes to Luke Cage, and Luke Cage is like, "Oh, they're throwing a sapien cop into Hell's Kitchen. What are they insane?" Yeah. It's like, what happens? How does this go from? How does this go to where I know it's going to end? And it was a wild ride, and I loved it. Um, oh, I was gonna say, I really, I really liked um, when they do fight. When they go to Genosha to fight Magneto and uh, Wanda like disappears, and PH was like, "What did you do to my sister?" And yeah. Doctor Strange finds her in the tower, and she's like, "Oh, I never leave the tower. I'm always with the kids." Like that was yeah. just a mm -hmm. construct. Always, always an illusion or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. found that to be really interesting. And like I, I've always known that Wanda had kind of a you know one foot out of reality, um, but in recent comics, they don't play up play up that whenever she shows up, she's no. fairly normal. She's so this event, um, when it came out, it wasn't as polarizing, but now, uh, 15 years later, people find it really polarizing because, um, Wanda is a character who doesn't really have a lot of agency, and she, and this is supposed to be her event, and she's kind of relocated to the background for a lot of the time. I disagree with some of that because of the state that her mental state is in, like, she can't be focal the entire time, um, you have to work around it. But, um, a lot of people don't like Charles Xavier in this book, and I agree with that, Charles Xavier from the beginning he's like your children are fake put them back and i'm like tone it down charles jesus yeah. christ um but yeah i some people really have a problem with with how scarlet witch is treated in this book um i i understand it but i disagree uh just because of the context and where when it takes place and like what's happening in the book i i disagree but uh this is a polarizing book for for scarlet witch fans sure mm -hmm. I, I i found it to be um interesting that when reality was quote unquote put back um Xavier is still missing. Yes, uh, and that's going to be for the next uh, the next volume of whatever happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because uh, we read the beginning of this arc, the Astonishing X Men. We, we read that for a book club. Yes, uh, that was uh, that's a couple. Uh, it's like two years before this book. Yeah. Yeah, and so I recognize the the costumes and I recognize kind of the characters and even the kids. Like they're at the school. Uh, and then when they're all when they all miss their are losing their powers except for like six mutants, uh, it's really hard. It's really gut wrenching because I've yeah. read the beginning of where this started. Yeah, for years, um, the there was even a miniseries called the One Ninety Eight because there's only hundred and ninety eight mutants left. So like they're collectively known as like the One Ninety Eight, yeah. um, yeah. and that's that's really sad. Yeah, when all these kids are losing their powers and stuff. Oh, yeah. what, once I got to that part because Emma is essentially control of the school and she's just. All these kids are like, Miss Frost, what's happening? How come I can't use my powers? And just seeing all these kids and Emma um, information overload essentially, she's like, Oh my god, what happened to my kid? Why is there um, why are there still mutants if she says no more mutants? Is that ever explained? Uh, it, it's an excuse to still have an X Men book. 
Well, I mean, I know that, but like, that, is there an in-story so, excuse? I'm sure there they do give a reason, but it's um. In here, it was like those who said like. Some of the mutants who were with Emma, who were protected by, who were protected by her psychic uh, okay, power. Yeah. That was sure, but there's not a hundred and mutants. Right, in that yeah. not, it's just like how it's it's not clean cut exactly why some people remember the events and others don't. Sure. Yeah. Um. I don't know the reasoning behind that. That might be a tie-in book. That might be the next, the next whatever's after this. I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't really see. like the Spider-Man says like, "Can you can you take it out of me?" He's like, "That's not how much works." Like, I'll give you permission. You take it out yeah. of me. Yeah, because yeah. Spider Man remembering that he was married to Gwen Stacy and how Uncle Ben was alive when it had then well, gone back to the always, Gwen Stacy's always been a sore spot for Spider Man. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he had a life with her is must be it's, it's the one, it's the one two punch of that and Uncle Ben, and, and having that return your, your old life before that return to you is mess like he got he got the life he always wanted but like it's not his life it's not yeah. his real life so it's yeah. that's that's some that's some good stuff mm -hmm. so i got here i was looking up the 198 stuff i didn't find an answer but um fans and critics were mixed with a common complaint being the inconsistent mm -hmm. manner in which mutants retain their powers or re depowered it seemed kind of random that uh, a choice uh yeah L let's real quick talk about uh layla miller you guys remember layla miller yeah layla miller created for this book and um just has all the answers for no reason uh -huh. well, I got the impression that that she was created by Scarlet Witch as a, like a failsafe. Yes, um, mm -hmm. that's the that's that's the most we get about that character. Yeah. yeah. So her thing, she she was she becomes a character in X Factor, um, and she hangs and she uh, has a relationship with Jamie Madrox, the Multiple Man, and she uh, she shows up in other X Men books throughout the years. She she uh, I got dog hair in my mouth. Sorry. Um, she For my dog. Your dog. It's weird. Um, <laughs> Layla, Layla Miller's powers have never been explained by anybody. And in a, a couple issues after this, another book, somebody asked her what she does, and her powers was, I know things. Material hmm. like Lannister. She, she used Machina of a character. Because, uh, like, even Kitty's like, you're not human. Like, there's nothing, the, the, nothing about her makes sense. Yeah. She might, she, from everything that I've, that I've looked up, because uh, I have not read every single appearance from this character, it's, that, that'd be hard. But she's a character whose powers were never explained, and she's she shows up when she's necessary. She just is a plot character who knows things. And the, so the reason she knows things is because it's revealed that a future version of herself visited her as, as a child and told her everything that happens. That's the final thing we learned about Layla Miller, is that a future version of her tells her everything about the past. That's why she knows everything. And I think, I think that's pretty lame. I yeah, think pretty lame. I, I think what's silly about it is that she's kind of unnecessary because once, if Logan remembers on his own and gets to Emma Frost and Emma Frost reads his mind, then yeah. Emma Frost can just, just uh, do Martian Manhunter Christ on Infinite Earth style, yeah. restore those memories to everyone else. I guess, I guess, like, they need I guess the thing is that she won't automatically know what their history was. She'll just know her perspective of it. So yeah. unlocking that could be difficult for her, but she could do enough to, to get them on board with like, look, this life existed. Yeah. She, she feels like a character that Bendis, like he made this character. He's like, Oh, I'm going to do so much with her. And then like a Simon Baz, just like didn't touch her. Like was yeah. just forgotten. And like, she has, she, I don't think she's shown up at all in any of the doc stuff at all. I'm I haven't sure. seen her. Cause yeah. I, I thought Layla was kind of just like a one-off, like, because most of I, 
for, for I mean, obviously Leia was there so she could restore the people's like the main X Men, the core X Men's memories. Yeah. But besides that, I was more focused on Wolverine. I was more focused on Emma and Scott and or um, Scott Summers, Cyclops, and all the other uh, Avengers and X Men who are like, we need to fix this. And then yeah. they find out that oh, it was a Magneto who did this, even though he's like king of the world. It wasn't him. It was Pietro Quicksilver. He was I like part a lot about it uh it's, it was pietro's fault actually and then when Vito finds out he's like what have you done in my name buddy? i love that i absolutely because that's that's the whole time i read this i'm like oh wow magneto you power hungry son of a bitch you you did this because yeah. we get that great scene with pietro and magneto and magneto's like what would you have me do yeah like because he's like you can't let a kill he's like what do you want me to do what can i do so i can save wanda so i can save her and then Pietro goes, it's revealed that he's the one who causes this. It's like, oh, shit. He did it for her, but it was but a Magneto wasn't the cause of things. Wow. Think, how about that? But, but the thing that makes Wanda go psycho about it is that even with all that, uh -huh. Magneto is still terrible. Even yeah. getting all that he wants, he's still messed up. Mm -hmm. I love that um, they have like a, they have like a UN meeting. Excuse me. I don't, can you guys hear the children yelling outside? A little bit. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, like you get uh, like King Namor and you give Queen Aurora. Uh, you get Victor Von Doom. He shows up without us without his mask on. He's uh -huh. still Victor Von Doom to the end of the day. He's trying to take his power, whatever. Um, I'm uh, I like this book a lot. Um, yeah. I really like the moment when Logan is uh, running around and he comes upon the mutants um, abusing the Sapien. Mm, yeah. yeah, and uh, using their powers against them. And I'm like, I'm glad that you showed that. Like, it's it's about who you are as a person and where you sit in the privilege power line. Yeah. Uh, it's not a matter of like, you know, like if, if the tables were reversed, you'd have shitty people doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, oh, one thing I do want to talk about again, this came out in 2005 and, and our topic was character evolution. This is a very different Logan than our 2020 house of X powers of 10 Logan, because this Logan will say, Oh, killer like that. Take mm -hmm. put her out of misery. Same with Emma Frost. Emma's always a bad bitch though. Uh, but Logan, he went through his schism uh, like five years after this event. He goes to his schism with Scott, which separates the X-Men. He becomes the new Xavier and the Wolverine and the X-Men, and he becomes way more passive. So it's it's always fun to me to read characters like 15 years ago compared to now because Logan is still essentially the same person, but he's so much more savage than he is now. Like he's evolved as a, as a human being, whereas he would still kill a, kill a girl just like that. 15 yeah. years ago. And I, it's, it's, that's why I really enjoy going back to series and seeing where Spider-Man was in 2005 or where Logan was in 2005 compared to now. But even that being said, like there's, there's still a glimmer of heart in Logan. Oh, of course. Uh, is, uh, I specifically like the moment when he's the one who goes to talk to Peter. Yeah. He's like, yeah. 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 yeah that was a, that was a good moment. And then when we finally do get um, Wanda straight up saying is like, we're freaks from humans, no matter what we do, we're never going to be equal. We're never going to, be on the same ground it's always going to be divided and she says you know what and in that crazy state her thing is like if there weren't any mutants this wouldn't be a problem so no more mutants Essentially, there's, yeah. uh, there's uh there's a scene that's it's just it's it's a panel of pietro shaking uh, really uh -huh. sad. And yeah it's just little, little panels like that that's that really like show it's it's only something a comic can do where like you show the anguish that he's feeling when he's like moving super speed but you don't see his face very well yeah. I, I i love shit like that um and then and then, Mag says i can't i can't understand anybody scream like that yes yeah. Yeah. um there's a great even, scene. oh the scene between hawkeye and scarlet witch yeah oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like you killed me. I brought you back though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a when when the Avengers and the X Men first meet and they're discussing killing Scarlet Witch. Uh, Cap goes, "She's not an X Men. She's an Avenger." The Avengers say no because she was she she was primarily yeah. uh, Avenger before. Right, X-Men. right. And, and Captain America is very staunchly and and as Captain America yeah. should be rightly so. Uh, like never, never take a life. Yeah. Nope. Not yeah. not She's, what we're going to do. How many times has she saved our lives? Like we have. I really, I really like that in the alternate universe. He's an old man. He never went into the ice. Yeah. He's so sad. Yeah. And and he and he comes and, he, and they come to him. It's like that's Captain America. <laughs> but then we, if you look in the back, there's like those newspapers. He was on the moon. Captain America went to the moon. He was part of the air. Yeah, yeah. but he oh, had yeah. a he had a long life. And yeah. One, yeah. And one of the things that, that I really like is just like you know Emma's kind of like whatever. Like he's no use to us. But there's a kind of a moment of like, well, you know what? He got a life that he didn't get to have. Uh. So I thought that was kind of bittersweet. Oh, yeah. Wait, why, why do I have a picture of a Hulk saying good day, punching alligators? Is that from this book? No. Is this, is this, from, this isn't from no. this book? No. No? Oh, sorry. I was reading the, the tie-in books. I read a couple of the tie-in books. Oh, this is okay. where um, Hulk's like Australian or something, and he says good day, punching alligators. Uh, oh, okay. King Pride's a school teacher. Uh, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Because that's all she's ever wanted. Scott and Emma Frost are married. Yes, th- this is great because this is before they're actually together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like hinting at like, we know you guys want to be together. So we're just going to do it eventually. <laughs> yeah, I think this book is um, it's a lot of fun. It's a really great event. Um, yeah. and I think that, is really good too. I think for me, especially because obviously there's that issue, I want to say of X-Men, of like the standalone X-Men book where um, Matt, was it Magic or who was it? It was someone was telling the story about the pretender Wanda Maximoff. And then all the kids start covering their ears. Oh, uh, Polaris. Thank you, Polaris, yeah. And they're like, no, pretender, pretender. Now actually having reading House of M, that moment strikes a whole another chord for me because it really was her who said no more mutants. And Well, I mean, also, before this, she wasn't herself a mutant. They didn't retcon that until much later. Yeah, yeah she was a mutant, yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's what, again, about... Uh, continuity in keeping all this real so now when we get to 2020 and we have oh she's a pretender she 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 was pretending to be a mutant and she destroyed all of us she's the enemy and i'm like we can only get there if you allow this things to be real and be connected mm-hmm. and i'm like that's 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 cool i like it yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i hope she becomes a mutant again that whole thing with the inhuman stuff and like all that bullshit that was bad movie stuff that happened to the comics that never should have happened i hope they fix that soon I don't mind that. I don't mind that movie Scarlet Witch isn't a mutant. I do mind that <laughs> comic book Scarlet Witch isn't a mutant. I, I mind when they mess up the, the comic version for the movies. Yeah. yeah. All right. Shall we move on? Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, House right. of Ed. I really dug it. Enjoy it. Ryan, I have more X Men stuff. Ryan, what's up? I have more X Men stuff. Yay! I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. So, I'm... my book club is funny enough going to be a sequel to this book. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm just, I'm so happy to be back in this era of Marvel. Like, this is the stuff that I grew up with, like, that I really connect with and really love. So I'm going to pick the, I believe it's 2012, 20 to a March 2012, uh, Avengers, the Children's Crusade. This is about the young Avengers and how the the two twins of the Scarlet Witch, uh, who were reincarnated into Wicked and Speed, these are two young Avengers who think they are Scarlet Witch's uh, children. Uh, they're not sure, but they have memories of being her children. So the young Avengers are going to go look for the Scarlet Witch, who's been missing since the House of M. 
and um, Young Avengers uh, hilarity ensues. Doctor Doom hilarity ensues. Uh, Doctor Doom maybe Mary Scarlet Witch. We'll find out. Who knows? Can't wait to read it. All right. Then. Um, next week we also have a movie to review. Scoob. Oh, Scoobs. Scoob is uh, going to straight to VOD, and we were going to review it anyway, so we're going to review yeah. it. Oh, Young uh, Avengers, The Children's Crusade is written by Alan Heinberg, written by the, the Runda Woman writer, and drawn by Jim Chong, who did Justice League with Scott Snyder. Nice. Um, yeah, so Scoob next week. Um, okay, guys, if you, like, if, you want, if you like us, please like and subscribe on this video. Um, you can also find other shows on this on this YouTube page, uh, such as Fake Nerds Watch, where you can go back through and watch all of our um, things, yeah. all of our shows that we've, we've, basically they're just after shows of shows that we like. Um, perhaps another one coming soon. Uh, we'll yeah. get back to you on that one. Um, even though we are quarantined, we still want to get as much content to you guys as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, Basement Arcade is still going along. Uh, we secretly banked a Basement Arcade series. Oh, we totally uh, did. Secretly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can watch our Mortal Kombat 9 Basement Arcade series that's going on right now. Uh, Mortal Kombat is in the air. Um, also, in the link in the description, uh, you can find our Funko code. Uh, click the link in the description for, for 10% off your purchase by using promo code SHOP10. Uh, Patreon. We have a Patreon. Thank you to jo Joey Zahn. Joey I almost said Zoe Zahn, which is weird. Zoe Zahn. Um, we also have a tea public uh, masks on tea public guys. You know, California still using still still using masks around the country, uh, still mandated in some places to take a your podcast mask if you like. Um, all those links are in the description, or you can find them on our website at fakenerdpodcast.com. Uh, thanks everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate. Thank you to everyone who watched this. Uh, we had a couple of people in the in the chat. Um, we appreciate it. Um, Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for our themes and whatnot. Uh, those you will be able to hear on our uh, feed after this goes up on YouTube. We, the audio version will go up then. Go up after that where you can see all the bells and whistles. Um, he also has a show called Suburban Proctologist. You can check that show out on iTunes or Spotify. Just recently put on Spotify. Um, it's back. You can find the, the latest episode of, uh, up there now, episode nine, uh, facebook.com slash official or Instagram at subproctpodcast. Uh, you can find Jeremy Bellucci at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. Thank you to Mike Patola. Mike, yeah. we love you. Um, hopefully he gets, he wanted to do a collaboration soon, so hopefully we'll get that done uh, eventually. Thank you so much for our logos. However, um, thank you. You can find him at Mike Patola. Thank you, Meg. Good talk. That's yeah. just that's um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, Fake Nerd Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? You can find me at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. I haven't written an article for this week yet. I decided just to take a little break, and I will hopefully get a new article up or maybe two articles up this week. Your last article is in the, is in the link in the description. Mm -hmm. My Final Fantasy one. Uh, Ryan? You can find me at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. Uh, if you'd like to watch me play some video games well, by myself or with some friends, uh, you can find me at Twitch or YouTube, DJ Tony Snark 616. I'm there. Uh, Sparks? And you can find me living my best Muppet Treasure Island cabin fever life at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. That's the best Treasure Island movie, too. 
don't don't at me. That's true. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, like and subscribe on this video. Uh, click the bell icon, all that jazz. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds. Damn it, twice. I gotta click it twice. Double time.